You know what's happened, don't you? Well, hello there. I'm Matthew McConaughey. No, it's me, it's Steve! Oh! Total betrayal! Sorry guys, yeah, no, it's just me, Steve. You're listening to my podcast, 50 Uses for the Word Love, where every week I talk to a different guest about another facet of the human condition that could fall under the limiting umbrella term, love. Today's guest is the totally awesome Maisie Adam. You may have seen Maisie very recently on ITV2 with the stand-up sketch show. I met Maisie at the Amused Moose National New Comic Award in 2018, where I was so confident that she was going to win first place, it actually made me less stressed and might have actually contributed to me having a pretty good night and getting third place. Maisie's basically killing it in comedy right now. In 2017, she won So You Think You're Funny, the fourth woman to ever do so. She then won Amused Moose the year after that. Her sellout debut Edinburgh show, Vague, was just a smash hit. She got nominated for Best Newcomer. So we're talking a bona fide star, but also super humble and super nice, which is frankly vexing. I think I'm also going to throw in a little plug here as well. Maisie's actually recording her debut hour this Wednesday. If you're listening to the podcast on the Monday, it's this Wednesday. It's Wednesday the 27th of February at Aces and Eights in London at 7 o'clock. So get on down there. There might be tickets. And it's always good to have a nice, full, warm room when you're filming your first stand-up special. God, gotta get me one of those. And if you've missed it, just catch it when it streams on Next Up. It's really fucking good. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my chat with Maisie. It was lovely to catch up with her. She really took the topic seriously, came in with a real open heart and a willingness to share and and a real earnestness, which is a, a trait that I really respect and is very devalued in this day and age. Also, a quick shout out to wonderful open mic comedian Mustafa Fecto, who contributed to this episode in the research department by calling his mum. Ah, I think that's it. Let's do this. You're listening to 50 Uses for the Word Love. Today's form of love is Nas. I went home very smug. Nice. Very smug. That's cool. Mm. That's cool. Do you, do you go home smug often? Is smugness a thing that... No, uh... not a lot. Not a lot. Especially this time of year, as you'll know. It's kind of like <laughs> new material time. Yeah. Because you've done all your... Like, you've done Edinburgh and you've, you've taken all your best material there and then done a few post-Edinburgh shows... And now it's like... Now you hate it all. Yeah. Well, now you've got to start writing new stuff for next year. Mm. So it's a lot of like throwing shit at a wall and hoping mm. some of it would stick. Well, I, I think I speak for the rest of the comedy community, Maisie, where I say, you can you can stop if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, Steve, there's days where I'm Seriously, like, I should definitely take stop. Take a day off, I should Maisie. definitely stop. Like, do you ever like read back over your notebook the next morning and you're like, why did I think that would be funny? I, I write drunk sometimes. Oh, rookie error. Uh, no, rookie I love error. it. No, I go, no, no, but I, I, not as in like, and then I do it that night. I no. mean, like, like I, I'll go to a pub, get like five pints yeah, drunk. Yeah, yeah. Nice and then drunk. the next day I look at it and I'm, it's just like weird, like screamings from the inside yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's totally unfiltered. One of them was just, I just, I just written the words, I shaved my neck for this. <sighs> And I don't know what it means, but it's like somehow speaks to a very true human part of me. I don't, if you're not going to have that, I'm defo. Maybe not in my <laughs> sets, but now just like any situation that's frustrating. If my train's late, I'll just be yeah. like, I shaved my neck for this <laughs> on the platform. Oh, so there you go. It's funnier coming from you anyway. Yeah. It's funnier. It's much funnier. <laughs> any any gig we do together now, it's a bit shit. We'll just be like, Steve. I shaved my neck for this. Yes. No, no. I want you to say it on stage and I'll be the only person yeah. in the world who's like, like, oh my yes, God, I wrote that joke. 
<laughs> okay, I love that. Okay, I think we're already on a roll. I think I'm going to yeah. try and start. I do like a little sign on at the beginning, and yeah, I'm spilling definitely. tea on myself as well. <laughs> now I'm about to introduce the podcast. That's the sound of my Perfect. hand being wiped on my jeans. Bit of ASMR there. What is ASMR? I think oh, I don't like it at all. I think people either love it or they hate it. What, I've heard it, but what is it? Um, I don't actually know what it stands for, but it's it's like a um. So people will like whisper really close into a microphone or like tickle certain materials, and it's meant to be very for, for some reason. It's meant to be a really lovely sensory experience. Okay. Yeah, yeah. People will speak like that into a microphone. It's horrible. <gasps> I can't do it. Like I listen to it, and it's just I. It makes me feel like somebody's like in. Well, that's fine because I I listen to I I have the Calm app. The, the oh yeah, is so that good? That's very. But that is essentially that. Yeah. The, the most recent one was Matthew McConaughey le- reading a bedtime story. Oh. Hang on. Suddenly, I'm interested. Oh yeah. Well, my sister came up with a. I have to give this to my sister because it's a bit of a dad joke. But she said, <laughs> <laughs> uh, "How how much sleep do you get if Matthew McConaughey reads your bedtime story? All night, all night, all oh, night. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> But, and I'm terrified to take that on stage for fear that it isn't. It's just it's just an ordinary dad joke. Um, but um, he's really lovely, and, he's, and he does say, "Well, hello there." Mm. And he's just like he does this talks about how he once met Carl Sagan, and then he does this whole story about the stars oh. and stuff. And I've listened to it like for three weeks. He has in a got row. one of them voices, hasn't he? That you could just listen to. Like you can imagine him sort of like doing an open mic in a bar and just mm. sort of like storytelling and yeah. a little bit occasionally going into a song that's a bit Johnny Cash something like oh, that oh yeah you know I mean? but it's all sort of one fluid thing yeah that's yeah. what you, you just, so suddenly he's got a guitar on stage yeah you're like, like whoa how long has he been singing he just grew it out of his out of his this? skeleton uh huh yeah 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 he's, he's a beautiful band beautiful syrupy voice <laughs> okay uh, having raised the bar untouchable yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. try and open this podcast <laughs> Hello everyone, uh, you're listening to 50 Uses for the Word Love. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love that uh, whenever I go swing dancing, lindy hopping, sometimes my partner will accidentally flick me in the face with their hair during a, a, a over-enthusiastic spin or tuck turn. Love it. They usually laugh a bit embarrassed and say, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And then I have to say, oh, no, that's fine. It's no problem at all. And try and pretend like it isn't the best thing that's happened to me <gasps> in about a year. <laughs> First of all, I did not know you went swing dancing and... Lindy, well, yeah, Lindy hopping. Love it. Is, it. is it good fun? This is another part of my secret life that you don't know about. I'd love to get to like do something like that. I think it's really, really... Like, are you good or do you just go I'm to... good. Yeah. I've comfortably plateaued. Yeah. Also, I've in, I am a gateway drug for comedians to go dancing. <laughs> do at you least have to say partner each time? No. No. It's basically like speed dating... But uh, uh, less sweaty. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but the good thing is, is like, so it's, it would make a very bad date yeah, with, with, an, with an established boyfriend right. or girlfriend because you're not seeing them all the time. Well, and like then if, you're passing yeah. them onto somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> Which is nice if you're single and you just or you just want to make friends. Yeah, and you, yeah. you've, you've danced with twelve people, but if you're in a relationship, it's like, hey, do you want to dance with me and twelve more athletic <laughs> men? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch my palms get slowly more sweaty yeah. and horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's a lovely dance. Um, uh, I'm one of those guys. I'll never end up in like a troupe or something. I have friends who have like uh-huh. elevated to like the diners yeah. or the the oh, starlighters cool. and you know and they. I love it. But I I've basically gotten to the point where I'm just really. I have my own style. Yeah, like and I'm you're my own signature. Doing that. Yeah, my signature is that I I move a lot. 
Oh, okay. So I'm the leader. Yeah. The usual thing is that the partner spins, but I'll spin as well, so we kind of spin away from each other Ooh, and then reconnect. Oh, very symmetrical. Love yeah. it. Love a bit of symmetry. I'm basically like a toddler. Like, uh, I'll start crying if I stop moving. That's <laughs> essentially what I am. Yeah. <laughs> you should come and do it. No, it's great. It's wicked. Yeah, that's wicked. I'm like... I, we've just realised that we don't know anything really yes. about each other outside of our stand-up sets. Exactly. So, Actually, that, that's a perfect way for me to say uh, our guest today. Oh yeah, sorry. Hi. Is the wonderful Maisie Adam? Hello. Hey, mate. Hi. Yeah, we Thank don't know each other me. very well. We, it's we, weird. Yeah. Like. I just sat down there and you were like, oh, this is a comic book I drew. I was like, oh, that's really cool. You're like, that's actually like what I do, though. Like, I'm an artist. Yeah. Didn't know that about you. Didn't know you had two sisters. Didn't know that you do Lindy Hopping and Swing. Hmm. I mean, those are the same thing. You didn't know oh, that those are, are the same, the same thing. thing. <laughs> are they? Well, Lindy Hop is a form of swing dancing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. If we're yeah. not laughing, we're learning. What do I not know about you? I mean, because that's a very interesting question because... As I said, a lot of what I know about you stems from your show, your yeah. debut show. What is left out? I guess you must leave loads out for future yeah. shows. Yeah, I, know. I was literally just saying, uh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about next, because in, in terms of like my next show, because I just crammed sort of as much material as I could into my into my debut. What don't you know about me, Trumbull? <laughs> um, oh, I used to I used to play for North Yorkshire uh, girls football. Really? Yeah, up until I was sixteen. I played in the youth team at Leeds United. You used to play in the youth team at yeah. Leeds United? So you could yeah. have gone pro? You're like a, I could have. It was one of them things where like, I imagine a lot of people have this, where they were really good as, at something as a kid, and it came out of passion. I was never like, oh, you're really good at that, do it, which is what happened. I, I was mm. also very good at cross country in that wow. I was a bit like fa- uh, Forrest Gump in that <laughs> I didn't mean to be good. You also like I ping pong. Just, no, I was just, you know how Forrest Gump, he just, he just runs and, mm. and he doesn't try to be good at it. I wasn't passionate about running. I was just naturally very fast and good at running. Yeah. So the teachers were like, there was this compulsory cross country, cross country that we had to do in like year seven or eight. And I'd win that every time. So then they were like, right, we want you on the team. and We want you representing North Yorkshire in the county. And I didn't enjoy that. Whereas football, I loved the game and still do. Absolutely love it. Amazing. So I, I enjoyed that and I, I was actively pursuing it. And then it just got to a point, like, as I say, I imagine a few people connect with this. You get to sort of 15, 16, 17, and yeah, you've got a lot more schoolwork all of a sudden and GCSEs and that, but also, like, your social life is changing. Mm. Like, when you're 13, my social life was like, mum and dad would give me a lift into town and you'd walk around town with your friends for two hours, and then you were told to be at, you know, the corner of this street by (laughs) four, and your mum would pick you up again. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of when we were 16, 17, a lot more freedom. And suddenly it became less of a priority. I still enjoyed it, hmm. but it wasn't like, it was no longer, oh God, I've got a football Saturday. Brilliant. Right, we've got a game Sunday. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, like, and I wasn't, cons- I was more like, Saturday would roll around. And I'd think, oh great, football. Yeah. And then it started to be like, oh actually, there's a party on Friday night, so can I be bothered to go on Saturday morning right. to football? And, and just real just, life takes, takes Real life priority. just took over. And I, and I didn't. I think if you do want to pursue something, to that level, you have to be like, yeah. Nothing's gonna get in between me, and I, I wasn't that with football. I loved it, but I wasn't like dedicated to it. I wouldn't have yeah. put anything. Well, I think that that sums up comedy because yeah. that shows why you're so good at comedy. Because comedy is such a thankless task for the yeah. majority of the yeah, first couple of months be, or years that you do it. You have to be passionate about. It. You can't just be doing it because you're good. No. Like there's some people who are very good, right? Like, joke writers or whatever. But you can tell they don't really love it. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's much more fun to watch a comic who's 
genuinely just happy to be up there on stage. Mm, mm, totally. And maybe their jokes like they need a bit of work here and there or like they're still practicing their craft. But ultimately, I think they make the better nights than somebody who's w- written a fantastically witty joke but is bitter about the fact that they're not one of the writers for a Vibrant yeah, News for the exactly. Okay, I feel that's a good segue. Um, uh, this is a podcast about how it's very strange that we, in, in the English language, we have this one word, love, that is kind of an umbrella term for so many different types of emotion and feeling. Mm. Uh, and so every episode we have a different guest and we talk about a different form of love. And today's is the word Nas. And no, we're not talking about <laughs> the New York-based multi-platinum... Constantly feuding with Jay-Z. ...rapper guy, because yeah. uh, the internet was not asking for a white guy from Oxford and a <laughs> white girl from Yorkshire to give their opinions. <laughs> On Nas. Do you have anything to say about Nas? Um, not right now. No, I'm, I'm Not more, right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm more on Jay-Z's side, so I don't want to get involved okay, in the con- beef controversy. Yeah. You do realise that out of this whole podcast, that's the only thing that's going to make a headline? Yeah. Okay, yeah. shit. Do you have anything to add on Nas? Not right now. Uh, please, no, <laughs> is my, my, my <laughs> comment on that. Um, <laughs> but it's the same pronunciation, is what I've heard, yes. basically. Because I didn't. I've, I read this on the internet. It's a word that has no English translation. I found it on a list. And I love words that have no English translation. Yeah. I'm a big fan There's of so that. many. Makes yeah. you kind of realise, because English is meant to be one of the most complex languages to learn, but also there's so many words that just don't exist in our language. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah. Do it's you have like, any favourites? No. No, oh, okay. I'm not off the top. But like, I can't, I can't remember specific examples, but like Nas, it's, we do, as you say, umbrella term mm. so many things. Uh, one of my favourite non-English words is a German word, and it's Backpfeifengesicht. What does that mean? Which means a face that just needs a fist in it. Oh, <laughs> mate, don't we know some of them, Steve? <laughs> yes. Bloody hell. That's what we have in common, Maisie. Is, uh, <sighs> yeah. We're, we're swimming in back five in Geschichte. Um, <laughs> but um, Nas <laughs> is a word which I actually checked with uh, Mustafa Fekto, who's mm. an adorable uh, Pakistani comedian that yeah. we know. Um, and he, he checked it with his parents who speak Urdu. It's an Urdu word. And uh, it basically kind of just standardly means pride or pride or mm. arrogance. But of the various different uses for the word that I found online, and then uh, Mustafa kind of backed this up, it also means specifically the confidence and self-esteem boost you get from knowing that somebody else loves you. Yeah. And I love that. I have yeah. such a connection with that. Yeah. You, this was one of the words that you picked out when yeah. I gave you the list of words. That's right. Why? Um, I think... When I was reading all of those words, it's it's quite a, a, a long list, and a lot of them I connected with, and a lot I I was like, oh, I maybe haven't had that one, maybe I haven't had this one, and then it got to Naz, and it was the pride you feel from being loved. That is such a specific mm. feeling. It's a, it's like a a, a sub factor of love, and in in this case, I'm talking about uh, like a romantic in love. I, I think okay. I think I've got the, this Naz. Probably in other <laughs> other ways. Nas, sorry. No, no, there's so many. In, this, in other I can't. Ways. I, I knew this was going to happen, and I've been waiting for it. I think I've all got week. it from other people, like like maternal, from my mum and and and, and dad, like mm. in that how they're proud of me. But recently, I sort of um, so I met my boyfriend uh, in April. It was the first. I I sort of you know that sort of weird moment, weird few weeks or, or months or whatever where you you know you really like somebody yeah. and then you dare to let yourself love them wow and and think actually i think they they love me as well and it's it's yeah. quite a scary thing it is. And as you yeah. like it's 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 a lot to do i 
I remember thinking to myself, like, I think I think I love this, but I think I love him. Mm. And I and I knew it was a different type of love to, um, like I've said, I've had a you know boyfriend in the past where I've said I I love you, but it, yeah. this was a different, a completely different kind of love. And when I read that thing that you sent out, that mm. was what it was. Right. It was that you you're made to feel like you're something to be yes proud of. Yes, like the pride that he sort of has for me. When I was working out that I was in love with him. I remember thinking, what's different about that? What is it? What is it that, that is different about Mike that's not about other other boys I've dated before and, and kind of got that, that deep to? And I realised it's because he, he, he sort of feels proud of me and mm. I feel proud to be loved by him. Mm. It's, a, it's a reciprocal, it's a two-way street. It's, it's not just like... Because yeah. otherwise... It's it's like you're being put on a pedestal. Yes, and well, that's that's very much a one way thing. And I've had that yes, before, where too. somebody sort of like worships you, yeah. and you start to be like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this because I'm not being rude, but I don't worship you. You know, well, like, that's that. That's this is so interesting. I'm so happy that you picked out romantic yeah. because all my stories about this subject are also about uh, relationships. Yeah. So it would be really interesting to hear both of these. I think, especially because I think I've been on the other side of the pedestal. <laughs> Right. I've been the guy who needed so badly to be to be for somebody to be proud, proud of me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's <clears> one of those things. So um uh you say you you just you realize you're in love with him yeah. and you've had times in the past where you said that you love someone who didn't quite love them or you didn't love them in that right way. How long is the time frame usually? Oh god, I think it's different with every single person in it. But like for example, the last person that I would have said I was in love with before um my boyfriend we were, we were we were friends for years mm. beforehand so there was that sort of platonic friendship and i admired this boy on a on a platonic level mm-hmm. and then when it went up to that i was like and it goes back to using that umbrella term of mm. love you're like oh i already love this guy yeah, yeah. i already love it one of them one of them's got to work <laughs> yeah and now it's like and now it's romantic so it kind of it it's it sort of it was less of a bigger thing to say really yeah. um in comparison to with my boyfriend now because it was like, oh, we, we already had a type of love for each other. And then it was like, oh, now we're romantically involved. Let's just say, I think it happened sort of within, a, I don't know, maybe a, a couple of months. Mm. But with that, it was that one way, Nas, in that I felt often quite put on a pedestal. And like, you make you make me so happy. You're yeah. the best thing in my life. And I'd sort of look. Looking back, I was like, I'd, it was uncomfortable to yeah. feel like that. Because it's quite a responsibility it's to a be... Like, problem with it. I remember saying it when me and Mike first got together. I was like, I don't buy this whole... And it was great because... Mike, I found, the, Mike the, yeah, the car, yeah. Okay. And, and uh, it was great because we were so on the same page about it. I was like, mm. I, I'm, I hate this whole thing of you should be looking for someone to complete you. Yeah. You should be complete already. Yeah. Or, or be like, try and yeah. be complete so that by the time you meet somebody else who's also like that together, you're like a real yeah. tour de force. Yeah. You're not constantly looking for someone to fill something empty in yeah. you it's like dude don't give me homework like, yeah <laughs> don't bring me yeah. shit to do and it's and it's it's so it's so easy to love somebody who loves themselves who yeah. who who is happy with them with themselves and and i think that's why it's reciprocal with my boyfriend now is that i'm so proud of him mm-hmm. and i think he feels that you know he feels proud to be loved by me and i feel proud to be loved by him you, you know there's times where you look at someone and you're like 
God, I know this is so yeah. melted. No, this is no, so man. unlike me. But like, you <laughs> well, think of I all of the. I don't know you, so well, it, could no. be, it could be entirely like. But you. sometimes I'm like, you think of all the people in the world, and I'm the person that gets to be loved by you. Like yeah, that yeah. makes me feel. Pr- it's like an achievement. You're like, yes. God, I've, it's yes. like a what, like a competition yes. that you've won. You're like, oh God, out of all the people, yes, I chosen, get, I chosen. get to be loved by you. Yeah. And then it's, as, as you said, it's being loved by them and then loving that person and yeah. being proud to yeah. love them. You know, you're yeah. not sort of like, oh, this is my boyfriend. He's a bit flawed, but you're like, this yeah. is my boyfriend. Love him what's and all. Like, I'm mm. so proud of The first guy, that. The, the other guy, the guy before, yeah. was he was he quite inexperienced? I think I was maybe his, I think, upon reflection, yeah, I think I was his first, like, serious girlfriend. Right. It just started to feel... It started to feel quite maternal by the end yeah, of it because I yeah. started to feel like I was responsible mm. for his happiness yeah. and his. Uh, if I, if I, it's an uncomfortable place to be as a yes. pedestal. Yes. Whereas when somebody loves you for your flaws as mm. well and is like, "Look, I know that you do this and you do that, but I love." Everything about whereas when somebody's like you're perfect, you're literally perfect, like, <laughs> you're so and and deep down because we're humans, you're like, well, no, we're not. I'm not. I'm not perfect actually. And then you start to be like, I don't think you know me at all. I think you like right. yeah, you, yeah. you love a, a version of me. Yeah. And then you start to feel like, oh God, I can't. I can't show that not perfect side of me because it'll mm. break this. For so, it'll, it'll push me off this pedestal that I didn't even want to be on in the yeah, first yeah, place. Exactly. It's actually there's the air, the oxygen's really thin up here. Yeah. I need to go to the loo. There's no stairway. So what I liked about Nas and and the the definition on on the list that you gave me was the pride you feel by being loved by someone else. I mean, we're talking about in romantic context. I've had that for the first time mm. with my current boyfriend to, to feel. To feel proud to be loved by someone and to feel proud of that. And it's that reciprocal right. thing. It's not like a, oh, God, we're on different pages. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's so weird, isn't it, with love? Because it's like, if you haven't had love before... Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, most people go through, like, eight yeah. things that could be... Kind of like, again, the umbrella term. Uh-huh. This could be love. It's yeah. like having a you're having a charger that fits more, is compatible uh-huh. with a lot of different phones. Yeah, like, it yeah. fits, technically fits, yeah. but it'll drain your fucking battery. Exactly. And you're going to have to get... You're going to have oh, to go God. back to Apple eventually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Broken and cracked. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I think, like, as well... What do you mean the button doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think there's so many different types of love. When people are like, oh, when you know, you know. I think that's true. But there's also so many times where you think you know. And that's what you don't hear about. You're like, mm. maybe I could love that. And I'd, yeah. say I've, I'd say I've loved before, but not not had this type of love. And it's that type that I think I think people is... Uh, uh, that's what people talk about when they say, when you know, you know. Because yeah. it's so different. Mm. I think it's one thing to love someone. But it's another thing to sort of take in the whole the whole package of it all. Yeah. It's also stripping away your pride as well yes. and being like, yes. okay, you now know all of the shitty aspects of it. <laughs> and it. And and that's as well, it's a relief in that it's when I was on that pedestal in, in, in my last relationship, it's quite hard to feel like you when they go, oh, I love you, hmm. you're like, oh, you, you actually don't know yeah. the full me. Whereas when somebody says, I love you, and you know that that person knows you, the shitty elements of you, hmm. you're like, bloody hell, you you know those aspects of it and you still love it. God, wow. And, and I get to be with, like, yeah. it's it's a lovely, lovely thing. Yeah. And, and 
especially when you're reciprocating it as well and you're like and I know that you leave your wet towel on the bed or like, like it's not on always the bed. it's not always the stupid stuff it can be deeper right. stuff as well and you're like I know I, it's not I have perfect. a long way to go if that's <laughs> if that's the nadir of the relationship no, no I'm, that's a, that's a, a stupid uh, a stupid example it's the deeper stuff that you're like if if it's 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 ringing a couple of bells with me from depression. I'm not saying that you've suffered from depression, but it's 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 there's a thing when you have depression or low self esteem, right? Where if somebody says I love you mm. and you know the flaws of yourself, yeah, you start to think they're stupid, right? Okay, you start to you disrespect. You should be loving them because they're giving you the ultimate validation. But yeah. you'd be like, oh, well, this person obviously isn't reading the tea leaves correctly. Right, okay. Because I know what's wrong with me and they're saying I'm perfect. Right. So, you know, so, so it bounces back on If that person is that aware person. of your... Do yes, you know, it's like, So dude, even when they're aware yeah. of it and they say, like, I love you... Yeah. With all that thrown in. Exactly. Like, it reminds me of when I, I stopped being miserableist on stage because for the first year I was still coming out of depression. Yeah, yeah. And there was this girl in the audience one day... Um, and I said some joke about being ugly or something, and she was just like, "Yo, yeah, you're, you're you're fine." Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like she was in love with me or something. It was just like it wasn't true. Really? So so so, so in, and she was doing that instead of laughing. Right. Is what I realized, and that's when I realized that the the best thing I ever learned in comedy, which was the audience wants to like you. Yeah. And they want you to like yourself. Yeah, yeah. They want you to be good as well. Like there's such that thing of. I did a, a a gig last night at a comedy club. I've been trying to get in at for oh. for ages you know trying yeah. like you know what it's like knocking on that door for I've, ages. Had a, I've had a few of those and finally got got to do my spot and i was like god i hope this goes well i hope this goes well i sat at the back of the room and i just looked at the audience and i was like they don't want you to be shit they're not mm. they're not stu- sat there arms crossed going go on then make us laugh they've paid the money and they want you to be good they want you to come out there mm. and do what you know you can do yeah and once I thought of it like that, I was like, "It's it's going to be fine." They were they're rooting for me. Yeah. I'm rooting for myself. Like no one's against you here. Yeah, it was all fine. And I think there's an there's an element of that in in love. Mm. Nobody is well, unless you're an absolute psycho. <laughs> Nobody is out there on the dating scene. Looking for people with a problem. Looking, right. Like nobody's nobody's seeking people yeah. out with an unlovable trait. Yeah. We're all wanting to be loved and to look like... But but I think that's what trips people up. Because yes. there's so many people out there who have a thing within them that they think is an unlovable trait. Uh-huh. So if they think, oh, that no one wants somebody with an unlovable trait, right. they automatically disqualify a lot of people. Yeah. They go, oh, oh she'll never she'll never want to go out with me because I, I'm so unlovable. Yeah. So it's like there's these people out there kind of like... But what they don't realise is what you're saying is yeah. that if you meet the right person, they'll look at the thing that you think is unlovable and they'll go, no, that's completely yeah. fine. And then if they are comfortable enough in themselves that you think, okay, I'm proud to be... And I think that's where it yeah. comes back to... What what we're saying about how I've always had that hang up about oh you complete me or like people, <laughs> people say my other half like better half well, let's accept that we that we've not that nobody's perfect but that's normal it's mm. normal to be flawed mm. and be happy with yourself because then when you put yourself out as somebody's happy with themselves that person's loving the whole version of you they're not loving mm. like bits and then there's a crater in it and and you've got to somehow reveal that crater at some point in the relationship and that's why it was like with my boyfriend it was it was like i i know i'm flawed but this is and i'm not saying like we knew that from week 1 yeah, obviously well, well, like well, the first few well, weeks what happened? Presenting... Were, were there little were, were, did, was it a gradual realization or were there little things that he did oh, or said oh steve first day i told mike i could surf i've never surfed <laughs> in my life <laughs> 
I've never surfed in my life, but I said I've been surfing because uh, I thought it seemed really cool. So you just lied. So everybody presents this like stupidly <laughs> unrealistic version of themselves um, at the start, so, I think. Because that was obviously on top of his list of things that he needed. It's on his profile. <laughs> well, no, to be his... fair, we were we were like at the seafront chatting about. Uh, oh, we worked out that his parents holiday where my parents holidayed when, right. when we were going and I was like oh there's a really good beach there isn't there and I went to say it's really good for bodyboarding yes I thought that doesn't sound very cool on a first date so I was like yeah there's really good waves it's really good for uh, surfing and he was like oh do you do you surf before I knew it I could just, like, hear it coming out of my mouth being like yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't do it so much anymore. But once you uh, once you know it, it never leaves you, really. <laughs> All of this, and then so I, 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 think I only like, have one boyfriend, and he's called the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like two months later or something, I was like, "Oh, slight confession." Do you remember on our first date? He, he couldn't even really remember it, but I was like, yeah. "Do you remember I told you I could surf?" He was like, "Oh yeah." So like, I've never been surfing in my life. And we were just wetting ourselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. When when we started dating, yeah, it's hard to say this without sounding like you're right up your own ass. But <laughs> well, no, if you, if you, want, you can tell me how shitty you are as well. Like, like let's let's get into well, the flaws. Well, I'm I'm know. fully aware of my flaws, but I'm also I don't think that I'm not worthy of somebody loving me. Hmm. But when but I knew that when I I wanted to to be in love, I wanted it to not be like the previous time where somebody's loving a, a, a polished version of you. Yeah. I, I knew that, I was like, I hope, I hope one day, I mean, everybody wants mm. it, and I was like, I hope one day I could meet somebody who I wouldn't feel embarrassed about telling him about various aspects of my life, mm. and he'd accept them and not not really question them too much, and, and maybe even laugh about them yeah, with exactly. me. And, and um, it 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 was always something that I'd, I'd hoped I'd get. And then when I started dating him, it was like, it, it just bit by bit, you start to, whether it's like, oh, you, you end up talking about each other's families. Mm. And before you realise it, you're talking about something that you've maybe not told many people yeah. before. Yeah. I don't, I, it just it just slowly comes out. And I think the more time we spent with each other, the more there was this like level of, of, of trust. We genuinely wanted to know each other what's and all, mm. you know. And then when we kind of did know each did, other did, did on he that have, Did he have quite a few warts? Not like nothing b- bloody deep, bless him. <laughs> There's nothing that's making me like scream and run a mile. But right. he's, he's like me. He's not He's not right. perfect. He's got aspects about him that he's not happy with. He's got mm. aspects about him that, that to him are like, oh, I hate this about myself. And I'm like, it's, it's not, you know, it's, mm. it's, but, but he's not like, I hate it about myself. He's like, I've got this. I wish it wasn't like this, or, or, or uh, I'd quite like to change this about myself. Yeah, yeah. But it's me, <laughs> and and that's what I find really attractive about yeah. him. I think is also maybe what he finds attractive in me is that we're both quite we're both quite at peace with what we are. That's cool. Did that take that a while? Yeah, definitely. How like, did that come about? Was it the comedy? No. Oh, that was that was another thing. That and that's that's that was an aspect of of Naz. I wanted to, like you'll know dating as a comedian is an absolute <laughs> ball like. Like so, before I met Mike, I was on like Tinder, yeah. and the moment people are like, "Oh, what do you do for a job?" and you say, "Oh, um, I'm a comedian," it's yeah, like, "Oh, uh, tell us a joke." Uh, or then, then immediately they're like, as soon as they know your last name, you get they're going to be looking you up on YouTube. Yeah. 
and you're just you're just suddenly judged like you're, yeah. you're the moment you say your full name there's stuff on the internet out and it's and yeah. it's our doing we've yeah, done yeah, that yeah we've done that and also some of us are out there like putting information into the comedy so that we don't have to have those conversations yeah, with people yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. like, you know, like it's all in the set exactly. just watch the 10 so you'll great, know all the things great, you need to know a great aspect of that Right, as you'll know, because I talk about it in my comedy, was mm. uh, I'm epileptic. Yes. And that isn't something that, like, outside of a comedy world, I'm very open with, with other people. Okay. In fact, a lot of my friends were like... I really? My, a lot of my friends have come to see my show at Edinburgh, who I went to school with, and were like, we didn't know you were epileptic. Wow, that's so interesting. It's mental. And I was really sort of, like, umming and ahhing about, first of all, being open about my comedy to hmm. Mike, and he was like, "Oh, you're you're a, you're, a, you're a comedian. That's that's really cool." And I think at first it sounds cool, and then they sort of realise a lot of your job is going out to like these really yeah. rubbish pubs sometimes, and like it's it's a lot of like late nights and, yeah. and missed dinners and missed yeah. uh, missed events, missed social events, and kind of conflated with a neediness as well. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Your, your your job is to go out every night and try and be the centre of attention and want people to love you. Yeah. It's a really needy, it's narcissistic kind of job. Nars has turned into a profession, yeah. almost. I feel proud of myself because you yeah. love me. I know other comedians who do date other comedians as well, but I, I personally, I think I would find it really hard to date a comedian. I would yeah. find it hard to date somebody who does what I do. Yeah. Especially if I didn't work mm. in, this, in, in, in this industry. Mm. And with him, it was just like a, oh no, it's really great because you're dating someone... I'm dating somebody who loves what they do and they're, mm. they're passionate about it. What does it. he do? So he, he runs a cocktail bar. So that's quite a good... Right. Ass- in, ...in that we're both... Our working days are both sort of like 5pm till 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm. we're both out at the same time anyway. That's a bit of a, a lifesaver, really. Because mm-hmm. like, I think the last person I dated before him was a teacher. Right. And that's like, well, they're out 9 till 5 and they want to get home and just have a glass of wine. Yeah. And <laughs> say, how's your day? And they hate and that's, the world. And that's when I'm going out yeah. You know, so it it was not not so you, compatible. You both have kind of social jobs, but with like a kind of a disconnect. Like, yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of fraternisation yeah, with the definitely. audience or with like drunk people at a nightclub. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, and he deals with a lot of drunk assholes as well. Yeah, well, there you go. So Perfect. It's, it's often the same <laughs> thing. But um, going back to the epilepsy, I have only ever spoken about that in my comedy routine. I've never had a, a chat with friends really? about it. I mean, in my show, I talk about how I literally didn't tell my parents the yes. full extent of it mm. for a good few years. I'm really quite... I'm rubbish at having quite deep chats about myself. I can chat about... I can be that friend to, 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 to who's got a shoulder to cry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I can listen to your problems. Yeah. And I can talk about the world... Let's do it. <laughs> I can talk about the world's problems. I mean, like, isn't this terrible? Like, isn't it bad that the, you know, discussion around mental health is... Right? And, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm very yeah, sympathetic yeah. to that. But if yeah. it's about me, yeah. I'm quite sort of like... Ooh, and I can That's only so sort of talk about it in a comedy way. That's really weird because, like, the thing I took away from meeting you this last year yeah. was that every show that I saw you at, there were a bunch of school friends of yours in the audience. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, and I, I'd be, I wouldn't know what to do if school well, friends from my I, school I came and saw me. I wouldn't know how to and talk to them about you it. You talked about your parents being completely understanding yeah. about the epilepsy, but you were afraid to. So, like, a lot of what you talked about on stage is kind of about this, this, this word is yeah. about being loved unconditionally, regardless of what you do, because that's the other meaning for the word is 100%. being loved. Bit of if it not mattering what you do, yeah. you're loved. Yeah, yeah. So you've had a lot of evidence in your life of people being completely fine with it when they do find out. That's the thing, and it's and it, again, it comes back to that. Like it's often in your head that it's going to be a problem. 
in those years where I was like, I know, I know what, I know that I'd love to be loved by somebody who, who was totally fine and it wasn't a big thing to talk mm. about. But in your head, you do, like, I'm, I'm like it with epilepsy. I imagine you're probably like it with your depression. You're like, yeah, oh yeah. God, what are they going to react when, yeah. when I say it? I sometimes with, feel like it's a countdown to yeah, when they to find when it's out. Gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. hundred. So that was the thing with me and Mike. And I was like, okay, he's either going to see a clip of me talking about it on comedy, but mm. th- then he's going to be like, how do I bring it up with a, like, so <laughs> I saw that you're epileptic. Uh, <laughs> and I think by this point, we'd, we'd not been together too long. Um, we were it was at my flat and I went, uh, I went to go and have a shower and I shut the door and got in the got in the shower. I've I've, not, I've never told anybody this, so this is oh, a bit please. weird. Uh, and I was in the shower and I had a seizure. And I think it was like the first time he'd stayed over as well. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It's the first oh time he'd God. stayed over. And uh, I don't remember at all what happened. So imagine like put yourself in my shoes, Steve. The first time the whole night, this or guy just, that just you that? really like, and you sort of be like. Shall I open myself up to him? I'm really starting to fall for this guy. I really think he's he's great. And then he stays over and uh, you go for a shower in the morning. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm sat in my dressing gown, soaking wet hair. And this lad's on the settee next to me. And I look at the chair in my living room and there's a paramedic asking me if I can t- say what year it is. Holy shit. And I was shit. like, what the hell? And I was coming in and out of like sort of, not consciousness, but yeah, like your yeah, memory, lucidity. your memory is yeah. const- constantly going here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And Mike was like, par- like deja vu I don't almost. remember this, but Mike said that <laughs> I kept turning to him, being like, "There's somebody in my flat. Who, the- who, who is this in my flat?" And he's like, "It's a paramedic. You just need to answer their questions and all of this." I think I think he was more fortunate that you weren't saying that to the paramedic about him. Yeah, <laughs> oh god, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh god, and we still laugh about this because we hadn't had the conversation on whether or not we were like boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, we just sort of no. see each other. And she had to write on her bloody form what had happened, and it was like boyfriend found her in yeah. the in the bathroom. Thankfully, I hadn't locked the door. Boyfriend found her in the bathroom and rang nine nine nine. And when we were reading it afterwards, we were like, "Well, neither of us said the label first. The paramedics." So. <laughs> you got diagnosed as yeah, in a relationship. Yeah. yeah, she was the first one to label us. Um, That's so funny. And I was so, so embarrassed, Steve. I was absolutely mortified. This hadn't happened in in, mm-hmm. a, in a long time, and here it was happening with this guy who I, I really That's, quite liked. Yeah. And he couldn't have been cooler, cooler about it. Not and he didn't make me feel like I didn't feel like I was in his care. Do you know, he no. wasn't like, "Are you okay? Let's get you into mm. bed." He was like, totally fine about, and, and made it seem like it was a totally normal thing to do. Yeah. He was like, it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. And so I how are thought, your parents? Are they doing okay? <laughs> I, yeah, I thought he was going to... Because it was the morning, I thought he was going to be like, listen, I think you should get to bed. I'm going to head out. Yeah. And he was like, come on, let's get you some breakfast. And we went out and like had breakfast. And, and he was like, you look like you you know, you need a, need a meal down here. And we, <laughs> it, it was just lovely because I just felt so... It was as if I'd done something quite... You know, like if, if I'd thrown up, mm. you know, or, or if I'd fallen over and yeah. you know it's embarrassing for five seconds and then they're like oh no everybody does it it's fine you're okay come on carry on <laughs> and it was the first time in my life where like something that's really abnormal it must have been so bloody scary for oh yeah well, was it like a full-on like because i remember you're on stage you've said that sometimes your seizures just look like a little oh like no i was full-on out for 20 minutes he wow. found me butt-ass naked 
on you, my bathroom floor, right. having fallen out you of the shower You could have drowned in the shower yeah. or something, yeah. He, he had, like, picked me up and, and put me in my dressing gown, so that was decent when the paramedics were... I mean, oh. like... Yeah, it was as as first time that a guy stays over yeah. goes. It was pretty pretty eventful. Had it been eventful before that? You don't have to say anything. Oh, but like, was it? Was God. it like? It was it a good night? Regardless, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't was the peak. Like, he, you didn't peak with the paramedics. There is a running joke in that he was like, I was clearly just so good in bed, oh, made to have a seizure. Um, but it, it, it was it was so lovely because I was like, oh my god, this guy's so. It's like he saw the most vulnerable he you could possibly my, be. I couldn't have been more vulnerable and yeah. I didn't f- I didn't feel like I was really vulnerable after that yeah. I was like oh my god this guy's seen it he, uh, it just felt really normal and I was yeah. after we went for breakfast he he went off to I think he went off to like uh work or something at like one in the afternoon mm. set the bar up and I went back to my flat thankfully didn't have a gig that night so I was just happy to just mm. go to bed and mm. sleep it off mm. and I woke up the seizure yeah, yeah. I woke up and I just thought, oh God, I was, I, you know, and you're literally just like, oh, it's like when you wake up the morning after a night and you remember you were a total tit. Yeah. I was like, oh God. I remember looking at my phone and he texted me to be like, hey, hope you're feeling a bit better. If you're free Wednesday night, I'd really love to go like for drinks again. And it was just like, it was, it was like the most minuscule event that had, for me, it was like yeah. a massive thing. And once we'd got over that, yeah. like, Anything's I was like, possible, there's not yeah. even anything to tell him anymore. That was the thing I was most nervous to tell him. Yeah. And he literally was thrown in at the deep end with yeah. experience in it. And, and that we, we laughed right. many times about it. Top but. marks. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, yeah. I, the, 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 there's a story I have the, the first time I stayed over with an ex-girlfriend. There's nothing like your story, but mm. it, it, it is connected to Nas. It was, we was kind of, we were first kind of getting to know you kind of time. Yeah. And, we, I just kind of stayed over at her place, but I had to go and do a film shoot the next day, and um, she bit me. She bit you like eight, like eight times, like really hard. What the f- during like kind during, of like yeah, yeah. During we were just, just we were, yeah just like just a little bit of hard. That. Uh, well, yeah, I've I. <laughs> oh my god! But they but they were and the funny thing was I'd never I've never before or since been bitten by somebody in that way. Wow! And I had them all up my arm, these huge bite marks. And I and the next day I went into to do this help my friend out on this film shoot. Yeah. And I kind of the pride that I felt. Yeah. I wore a short sleeve t shirt. Do you know what I mean? And the guy who'd given me the job was like one of my best mates. And he was like this kind of big brother figure to me. <laughs> and at one point he just looked at me and went, Are those bruises? And I went, Nope. Yeah, yeah, you're more than happy to explain. And then we just had this kind of silent like <laughs> Yeah, moment. it's like when you were fifteen and somebody would walk in with a hickey yeah. and they deliberately not put foundation exactly. on it to show that they had a hickey because that fascinated me because it's like physical proof yeah. of somebody loving you or liking you it's yeah. that, that validation of like you've actually been stamped and approved yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> top yeah. marks and I, 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 so it's nothing like your story at all but I, I, I think those first nights are very key those, yeah. those first nights when you let me, someone physically in that was the biggest thing for me to tell my boyfriend is, uh, was I was I was really nervous about how I would bring it up and sort of approach mm. it, and 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 I I still don't know what you're because I'm not conscious for it. I don't know I don't know what it looks like and how scary it can be on the other end. Mm. And it he was just so calm about the whole thing mm. and and treated me no differently afterwards. Like I never feel like I'm in his care. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which was always what I was worried about. I was like, what if you do tell them and then they're constantly checking up on you? Mm. You know, you, you, does that does that sort of wall that's broken down a little bit 
so then you're more comfortable to say other things about yourself. Mm. And, and he's like, well, I know this about you, so you can know, you know, this about me. And, mm. and you start to realise you're loving a, a whole, you're loving a whole person. Yeah. As, as we've said, there's so many different kind, types of love. You can love someone like, oh, I love you. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost, oh pl- it's almost platonic. Yeah. Love surfing. Yeah. Do it yeah. All the yeah. Time. <laughs> but like, you can say, I love you. And kind of mean it. Like, there's friends I've got that I love. Yeah. But I'm not in love with them. Yeah. And then there's times where I've I've said in a romantic way, I love you, but it's not been anything like the love that I'm in now. Yeah. And I think it's... I think the thing that is different is this Nas. It's this mm. this pride to think, oh, God, out of all the people, you love me and you love every yeah. version of me, yeah. even the imperfect one. I'm so proud to be loved by and you. Al- that's that's you're how allow- I can sum it up. Also, I'm proud to be loved by you're you. You're also allowing yourself to feel good about it. Yeah. It, which is a hard thing for some people. Yeah. Like, self-esteem's so weird. I've oh, been, God, yeah. I've been thinking about self-esteem a lot lately because there's this weird thing about a validation that we get from other people. Right. I, 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 maybe I'm a crazy person and this doesn't make sense, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Why is it that humans always need validation for the things that we don't have any say in. Yeah. We want them to say, oh, I think you're beautiful. Yeah. Your eyes are so beautiful. But yeah, we didn't yeah. do anything. We, we didn't make our eyes. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird that we need... We don't want appreciation for the effort we've put in. We want appreciate for the for finished the product. For the things we didn't... have any. not... Yeah. It's an accident of birth. And yeah. it's like, why are people so in need of that? That I think maybe it's a parent's thing. Like, you yeah. get that unconditional love as a child or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting, but... So it's we, like when somebody says... If somebody says to me, like oh, you've got great legs. <laughs> I'd struggle to take that as a compliment. I'm yeah. not offended. That makes sound yeah, like I'm yeah, offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like it when people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. What, a, what a set of legs you've got. I'm like, thank you. But like, <laughs> I'm like, I grew them myself. Like, yeah, exactly. I've done exactly. nothing to get nice it's long legs. But if somebody's like, oh, I like what you've done with your hair. Yes. Or I like your t-shirt or whatever. You're like, that means more because you're like, mm. I've had control on yeah. that. Thank you. And you can actually be proud about that. I struggle to be proud of like when people are like, oh, I, I like your legs or mm. like, oh, you've got lovely eyes. You're like, thanks, yeah. they're the same as my dad's. <laughs> well, I'll like, pass I, on your I compliment. Have, I have a problem because I'm Dad, really, I, <laughs> Lily says she likes our eyes. <laughs> our eyes. Yeah. You're complimenting on something that's essentially been handed down also, I want you to compliment on a thing I don't like. Like, I'm very hairy. <laughs> I'm a very hairy man. I'm my father's son. I'm very hairy. Uh, and so I love it whenever I meet someone who, like, finds out how hairy I am. And, what, and, and, like and, it? and loves it. Like, because yeah. it's such a thing that I find so hideous about myself sometimes. Right. And I wish I wasn't like that. And yeah, I don't yeah. want to have to... I hate the idea of having to wax and all that kind of crap. And Do you shit. find, like, the more you're going on, like. you realise that, like, there's not one beauty standard or, com- like... Yes. People, and often the stuff that you think people are really bothered about, people aren't bothered about at all. Mm. Like when I think the amount of stuff I used to do before I'd go on a date, like fake tan Ugh. and all of that, and I'm like, actually, yeah. I think if I fake tan now, Mike would absolutely wet himself. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, how else are you going to go surfing Leeds. if Nobody you don't have that, a fake tan? Well, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're still trying to create that character that yeah, you created. Yeah, this Californian surfer girl. <laughs> And actually, I like grew up near a sheep farm in Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I found out the person who likes my hair the most. Yeah. And it's really sad. It's my mum. Love it. 
my, my, my older sisters were talking about, they're like, you could go and get your, it was when I was like a teenager, they're like, you can go get your back wax, you can go yeah, to do yeah. this, it costs this much money, you can keep, they were trying to give me advice. And mum was like, what's, what's wrong? And they're like, Steve, Steve's hairy back and he's yeah. all hair all over. And mum was like, what's, what's wrong with that? So that's, that's, that's lovely. That's the best thing ever. Yeah. And, and, and I realized it's like, she was like a child of the, you know, teenager of the sixties. So it's like, I'm, I'm sexy, but in the wrong decade. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're absolutely Tom right. Tom Selleck's sexy, yeah. You're absolutely right about that cyclical nature of like, what's beautiful now isn't And also sometimes beautiful. what you think someone's going to have a real thing with, like, it's minimal. Mm. Like, I've got these massive scars on my belly from an operation I had when I was about three weeks old. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're massive. Look at them. Oh my God. Oh yeah, sorry, they're this beautiful. is a podcast. So I mean, they're, they're, like, they're, to, to be fair, Maisie, you could have... Pass them off as shark bites during your yeah, oh awesome surfing life. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah. You should have seen the, the shark when I punched him in the nose. Exactly. But exactly. I remember like the you were just trying time, to get that sweet wave. Yeah, just trying to just trying to ride that tubular. <laughs> I love the word tubular. tubular yeah, wave. Um, Those are lovely scars, though, and I bet that's. But but I always thought, like growing up, I never wore a bikini. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I never would like, I'd be very conscious if I was getting checked. Like when, uh, my friends would have swimming birthday parties, I'd be oh, very like, God. you know, getting changed, that kind of thing. Yeah. The first time sort of Mike saw that it wasn't even like, I thought it was going to be like unveiling a plaque, you know, yeah. be like, so this is my And like, I don't think he even noticed them, to no. be honest. And then like, as time went on, <laughs> it, it was just sort of, you, you just naturally like, forget, I've genuinely forgotten yeah. that they're there sometimes. And yeah. it's, it's... Well, I have some scars from a, a operation I had when I was born. I yeah. almost died when I was born. Yeah, and you can't see them, but I know, I know they're there. Yeah, so I feel weird when my Do you shirt sometimes comes think off. they're more obvious than they are because uh, I think they have. My brother had the hmm. same operation. Weirdly, we had the same thing when we were born, and there's four years between me and my brother, and hmm. he's uh, he's four years younger. The medical research that has gone on in those four years was so vast that his scars are very neat mm. and very tidy <laughs> um and he had no qualms growing up about having his top off he was he was very he, comfortable he had the walking phoenix of scars i was really jealous of him though <laughs> of how of how comfortable he was yeah. with his with his scars because essentially we've got the same scar but mine's just a little bit more messy and a little bit <sighs> but actually i think they used to be really obvious when they were when we were younger because they were mm. fresher yeah and now I look at them sometimes and I'm like, you actually wouldn't really. You'd have to, you'd also, have to be really also, staring it, at my belly. It's I've... weirder if you're a little kid. It's like, who tried to butterfly knife that child in the stone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and Danny used to call it our zip when we were little because <laughs> it looks like you've zipped up your, your, your belly. That's and so I'd be cute. like, oh, Danny's showing his zip, but I don't want to show my zip. Um, and now I went on holiday a couple of years ago and wore a bikini and there's a photo of me. And I didn't even, I can't even see my scar in that photo. Yeah. And I think actually anybody would have to be sort of really perving on my belly yeah, to yeah. notice that there's a scar there. Yeah. Um, but and if they're perving on my belly, then that's on them. That's not me. Do you know what I mean? I have a joke that I'm working on at the moment about how in my own sexual fantasies, I still keep my shirt on. Love it. The whole time. Love it. The whole time. Never. Because otherwise the internal reality of the story <laughs> will collapse around me like yeah, inception. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, the other thing was that I remember my ex-girlfriend, um, the night that I stayed over, was that um, I got to see her without any of her makeup on. Yeah. Which was the first time I'd ever seen that. And yeah. and, and this is going to make, this is going to sound like I'm trying to sound like I'm the nicest guy in the world, which is not true. But it, uh, I don't think I was ever more attracted to her yeah. than when I saw her like in the bathroom just Because you're seeing the real, per- you're seeing them at their most authentic and just in a physical way here obviously they're not 
disclosed anything vulnerable about them, but but mm. you're physically you're seeing them as they are, mm. and there's a level of trust in that. You're yeah. trusting somebody to sort of see that. Mm. I felt proud. Yeah, I was proud because I got to be in there. Yeah, you're let. Yeah, she thank let you me for in me. there. Yeah, she. No one else gets to see this. Yeah, I get to see this because yeah. she chose me. That's that's what it was. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, so it means that you have these scars that that they're super cool, man. He's I mean, as a like grown up, never... those kind of scars are just badass. Yeah, I like, know. Like, they're yeah. just super cool. Yeah, now I whip them out any occasion. <laughs> like, you should have seen the other guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a big thing to be like this. This is me. These are the good aspects. These are the bad aspects. Like I'm aware of them. Can you love them? And when mm. somebody does, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm proud of myself for, for being honest and and, yeah. and and giving them the real version of my. I've not sold them a, a con of me. Yeah. I've, I've, do you, I mean, do you, ever feel like, when, do you ever feel like you were on the wrong side of it, of Nas? And you talked about them being put on the pedestal before. Do you ever feel like, because I worry about this sometimes. Of being not proud to love something. No, of being, because I've felt in the past where there have been people that have liked me. And I've been less concerned about whether I like them than I have been about whether or not they like me. So I've been in a situation where I just want... Like, there was a girl, um, first girlfriend. Yeah. And it, it was doomed from the start. We loved you. You did love each other. It was a lovely relationship. But she, she, she'd just gone out of a six-year relationship. Mm-hmm. And I had never had a girlfriend. Right. So... She was allergic to having a boyfriend. Yeah. And yeah. I needed to be somebody's boyfriend. Yeah. So I was basically desperate for Nas. Desperate for Yeah. Her. And I think that's when Nas goes wrong because it goes back to what I was saying about at that point, if she had been with somebody for six years, she's and, and, and married. You've, yeah. And you've never had a, a girlfriend. Mm. You're not. I might be wrong here and and jumping to conclusions, but Mm. going back to that thing I said about not being your whole self, you're looking for somebody to, you were, you were Mm. looking for somebody to be a boyfriend to. I needed her to call me her boyfriend. And not to be Steve. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want to be your boyfriend and that's not the label you should be looking for. The Mm. label you're looking for is like, I'm Steve. Like, (laughs) <laughs> you should be one like it sounds yeah. really like full full of yourself but you you well, want to yeah, be like I'm Steve and you want to you would want me to that's be your what boyfriend she, she, no she wants me to be like hey you know the, when you want me to be your boyfriend you I'm, be right on, yeah, like, I'm right uh, here like, yeah. like, uh, let, and let me know what looking, you come up with she was looking for someone to fill that void that had suddenly happened hmm. and that had uh, it's a comfort blanket it had been there yeah. for six years and it's not there so she's looking for somebody to, to, to complete it and it goes that's how Nas, Nas goes wrong because <laughs> I love the northern the northern pronunciation I know, of I'm Nas. Sorry. Nas. I I think that's when it goes wrong because you Nas only works. This is it. Nas yeah. only works if you are both happy. Not not uh, like <laughs> it only works if you're happy and whole. And that doesn't mean like yeah. there's no flaws and uh, everything's hunky dory. Yeah. There are flaws, and you know stuff isn't perfect, but you know that that's you, mm. and you know that the other person isn't perfect and probably has flaws. But you go, "I'll love the whole of you because mm. I love the whole of me." Yeah, exactly. Not, "Oh, I'm like seventy percent okay. Can mm, you come mm. and fill that thirty percent, yeah. please?" That's when it starts to be a one way thing because you're not loving yourself. Yeah. So you can't take pride, yeah. which is what it is. You can't take pride. In yourself, so you're looking for someone to be proud. Mm. You're absolutely right, and also we had that thing that you mentioned earlier about that we've been <coughs> friends for years. 
So we already had that. We already loved each other. Yes. But it was that kind of... And it's of, a different type of It had love. to change into something else. Yes. And I think yeah. that, that, that relationship was where I learned never to tell somebody what I think they want to hear. It's very confusing when you've loved somebody in a friend way. Hmm. And then the relationship changes, like the dynamic changes, i.e. you're now romantic. But a lot of your feelings are probably still in that platonic way. So you find yourself, as you say, telling someone what they want to hear, which hmm. is... I'm in love with you and actually maybe no I think you're you're you love you love the because with your friends as well like mm. I know there's with my friends there's bad aspects of them but you don't really get to know those intimately like you do with a partner yeah you know you're like this is my best friend Liv she is outgoing she's like a <laughs> party like her worst trait is that she is a messy drunk do you know right, what I mean yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. like with a with with a partner you. This person has actually ruined my night. Well, well, it's like, <laughs> screamed at me well, on a, the way home. With, with somebody in a, in, a, in, a, in a romantic dynamic, you love deeper elements of them and you the, mm. the flaws are deeper as well. Yeah. And I think when you go from platonic to romantic, sometimes you're like, oh, actually, when we were friends, I didn't have to deal yeah. with these sides of you. And, <laughs> and as a partner, to, you do. You used to be dark and mysterious, and now you're just a, a, an angry, drunk person on my living room floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think NAS only works, it only works if the people involved are ready to be taken as, yeah. a, as a whole. You don't pick and choose, oh, I like that bit about mm. her, I like that bit about her. You love the the person and who they are. Were you? Were you? Uh, when did it happen for you? When did you become whole? Oh, oh my God! That was a out of nowhere deep question. When did you become <sighs> whole? It's not my first podcast, baby. <laughs> when did I become whole? I think on it. Yeah, I think my mind has gone straight to a specific point, so there must be an element of truth in it. I think after the pedestal relationship. Okay. Because how long ago was that? Oh, did two, you go through like a period of being single? And, the beginning of 2016. Okay. Uh, and I was in my third year of university. And it ended not in a particularly nice way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were at, at uni together and we had a lot of the same mutual friends. And it became very, this is that side of the story, this is this side of the story. And I felt very, very alone for mm. a good few months because I didn't want to talk about what had happened. Yeah. But equally, I knew that he was was talking about what had happened. Yeah. Ouch. And so therefore, a lot of the mutual friends got one side of the story, made their own judgments about that. And you, you start to feel... I look back and I'm like, no, I was surrounded by loads of lovely yeah. friends, but I just have but never you, felt you're so... You're cautious about telling people about things that are in, like the epilepsy and stuff. Like, you are quite a private person. Or yeah, you find yeah, it hard to, I just, to I didn't want people. to talk about how it ended because I think I was still sort of like pro- processing it. But that hmm. that that was another part of it. But but I just felt very, very alone for a long... I'm very trapped. I was at, I, I was at university where there was... 17 of us in a class yeah. and it was the same seven pe- 17 people mm. every day and yeah. it was very very big like being in a big brother house My, you know big personalities yeah. are very close together so I started to feel quite quite uh, claustrophobic hmm my, my, uni, I, my uni friends were like a barrel full of snakes eating their own tails lots yeah, of drama yeah it was like that and then I I finally graduated so that was in the January when it all kicked off and then graduated in May so those four five months were really really hard Steve and and mm. 
that was sort of when I, I had to, my mum would say, put your big girl pants on. And, <laughs> and you just sort of have to go, right, it's happened. Don't, I mean, I moped for a good while. And then, <laughs> and then my brother and I went, uh, we went, we went around America and, and Australia on, on that summer. Cause it was just after I'd graduated, just before he went to uni. And I, I think I sort of realised there's a big world out there and there's lots of different things and people and places and some are great and some aren't. Hmm. Places are shitty, people are shitty sometimes, but there's hmm. also great people, great places and there's 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 so much more to experience and I was like, and I want to do it and I don't care if it's with somebody else. Hmm. I want to do it. And I also started getting, around the same time, started getting into stand-up yeah. for the first time and it was... I, I, I don't know if you had the same, but I did my first gig and just loved it. Just That was all I wanted mm. to do. So I'd come mm. back after having seen, after being in a really small pond for three years, I yeah. suddenly went and explored the world with like my brother, who's like my best mate. Yeah, your scar buddies. Yeah, we're very, very <laughs> close. And we'd had this amazing summer. And then I came back and started getting into stand-up. And it was really freeing and, and, and lovely to do. And I suddenly realised, God, you're... you're you're your own person, mate. Mm. You know, you've come out of that really shitty breakup. Yeah. You've held yourself very well. I think I handled it better than... I'm, yeah. I look back now and I'm like, you, I'm pr- I've got a bit of Nars about myself. I'm quite, <laughs> quite proud of... Very, very Nars. I am. I'm very, quite proud of nice. how I dealt with it because it wasn't easy and I think it would have been very easy to have taken the low road with it. Yeah. And I think I I just got my head down, got to the end of third <laughs> year and then had this lovely summer with Danny got back, threw myself into something I was so passionate about. Mm. And that just, that took my focus was stand-up. And with stand-up, it's quite a selfish profession. Yeah. It's all on you. And it mm. was just nice to be selfish. Yes. It was, that, that's it. Yes. That's when I realised, when you ask, when did you well, realise you it were takes, whole? It takes tremendous arrogance to get up on stage and say, I deserve to be up here yeah. because I'm funny. And when you, when you said, when did you realise you were whole? It was then, it was when I, I was going out and doing something that's quite a, I was going out, making my own work, performing, writing my own work, then performing it, then booking my own next gigs. There was no yeah. boss that I had yeah. to report to. There was no uh, assignments or, or deadlines that I had to meet. I wanted these gigs that so I'd write stuff that was good enough to get me those gigs. Yeah. And that's quite a almost Wolf of Wall Street yeah. approach, isn't it? It's very yeah, like yeah, single-minded. Yeah. yeah. But I loved it, and I loved being in charge of myself, mm. and 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 not having to turn up for a certain, you know, not having to turn up at nine a.m. for a, a, a thing. I was. I had to not tell anyone I was doing it. Yeah. So that so that it didn't feel like I was doing it for anyone. Yeah. So that so by this point we're talking end of twenty sixteen, like the after the summer, and sort of that September October October was my first gig, and like November December, going into twenty seventeen. I remember really starting to feel rebuilt and this time rebuilt properly. Yeah. As a as a whole person, as a I'm amazing and I do I do my own thing mm. and I do what I love. And I do that because I like it and it makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. I wasn't doing stand up to make uh somebody proud of yeah. me. Or because everyone in the office says I'm so funny. No, but I wasn't doing it to make mum and dad proud. I wasn't doing it to impress a boy. I wasn't doing it to look edgy to other people. <laughs> I was doing it because I bloody love comedy. Yeah. I loved watching stand-up and I'd always had this little urge in me to write it. So sud- And then I found out I could I could do it. It was, yeah. it was, you know, it was going all right. 
And so, so I just felt very happy and very lucky. And I haven't lost that. I still feel so lucky to be doing as a job what I love. Yeah. And, you're the, you're and the that's, that's what that. I've, that's what I've clung on to. And that's, I think, when I realized I was whole because I was no longer doing things that made somebody else happy. Hmm. I was doing something that made me happy and gave me a, a purpose. I'm not saying I didn't have a purpose before, but I was maybe a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. One day. Hopefully I'm, you know, going to performing of some kind, you know, <laughs> might do a bit of acting or, yeah. uh, you know, might work in event management, something like that. But I, I wasn't passionate mm. and, and striving mm. for something. Comedy, I was like, that's what I want to do. And it was a purely mm. selfish decision of... Yeah. And that selfish sounds bad there, but I mean it in no, a positive it's not. It's, way. it's definitely not. I, I mean it as a... So I... Yeah, and, and, I and that's uh, yeah. the headspace I was in when I when I met Mike. I was yeah. doing something... When, when did you meet him? How did you meet him? Uh, in April... Well, no, in March was when I actually met him. April was when we started dating. March, I went, I'd just been living in Brighton for about three months, uh, two months, and my friends from up north came to visit, and we went into his bar, because it's like the first one. Right, if so you, you're met, going on, you met on his turf, he wasn't yeah, at yeah. your gig or something. Yeah, and um, we'd also, there's like a juke, uh, automatic jukebox in, in, in his bar, and we'd all <laughs> selected songs, and my friends had come on, like their song had come on, my other friend's song had come on, mine hadn't. <laughs> he sort of came over to clear the glasses at some point. I'd had about four G&Ts by this point. Classic maze. Perfect. And he was that's like... A, that's a whole person... <laughs> it's a whole person tactic. And he uh, he was like, oh, you having a good night, ladies? And to be fair, my two friends had sort of pointed out before and they were like, I bet you fancy that barman. Yeah, but I <laughs> is, he, is he your toe? I was like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's very... Yes, he's fit, whatever. Let's just carry on. And I wasn't looking for a boyfriend. <laughs> you know, I was, I was in this very... I remember going into 2018 being like... Because I'd done 2017 like that. I'd done 2017 mm. single and selfish, and it had worked great. So I went right. to Brighton thinking, no, boys are the last thing on my mind. So I was sort of like, when they said it, I was like, yeah, he's fit, but whatever, like, I'm out with the girls. <laughs> and then uh, he came over and was like... Where's you know, my song? That's the important thing. It's so where's my like, fucking song? How's, how's your night? And I, I kicked off a little. I was like, well, my song hasn't come on. <laughs> and he was like, well, what song is it? I said, the Rolling Stones, Satisfaction. And he went, well, that's why it's not come on, isn't it? Really sassy. Right, and then he marched over to the jukebox and put Cher on. So I thought he's gay because he's been quite like <laughs> been, been quite quite shut down of my move, of Mike. my banter Power there. Move. And then he's put Cher on, so maybe I've misread that. And then we just kind of carried on having a bit of flirty banter and swapped numbers and went for drinks on the beach a few weeks later. And pow- I felt powerful. I felt very in control of my own career. I felt very in control of my own self. Mm-hmm. I wasn't out looking for somebody to complete me. You know yeah. that saying as well when people yeah. are like, oh, I can't find someone and they go, well, stop looking for it and it'll happen. I'm a massive advocate for that because I think if you're looking for something, you're doing that thing that you were talking about with that lady from who was mm. with someone for six years. You're looking for something to, to fill something. I wasn't looking for a mic that night. No. And I don't think he was looking for somebody <laughs> to come and have a sassy argument no. with over the jukebox. But... He was happy in his job. I'm happy with my... And we we were two very sort of driven, independent mm. and... Self- kind of, it, was like, it was like a fly, but we just bumped into each other. It's it was hard, like, yeah. I wish there was a positive word for selfish or self-centred. Self, well, this is kind like, of the word we're talking about. Th- this is what I mean. Nice. We have so many umbrella terms It's used for pride. Language. It means pride. Yeah, arrogance. Pr- that's, that's, that's the word then, pride. We had these two proud, proud people. Proud people, yeah. And when we met, it was like we sort of fed off that. Mm. I could tell he was he was career driven. He was independent. He had his own thoughts on the world. He was quite like, "This is what I want to do." 
like he'd moved to Brighton to manage a bar so that he hmm. could get experience to one day open a bar. Do yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's exactly. sort of like the bar version of what I'd done. That's the bar I'd version, to, yeah. I'd moved to Brighton to get experience on a bit of a... Because it wasn't a big circuit where I was from. Mm, mm. The same way there wasn't great bars where he's from. Mm. There wasn't, I'd moved to Brighton to practice my craft in the mm. hope of one day bossing it on my own. I love... That the song you picked was satisfaction. Yeah, That's, it's like it's like you. It's like we've written this. It's oh. like a perfect. And now every time I go into the bar, he plays it. Oh, right shit. there, he's such a melt. Such a melt. So fucking awesome. And um, the and the your other guy, the guy before the pedestal guy. Yeah, I'm sure he wrote a really great <laughs> screenplay uh, about oh, about God. what happened. I bet his. I would not know. I, I bet his uh, his his uh, flowering was uh, yeah. equally beautiful and yeah. not at all weird and creepy. Uh, no, but, no, uh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I think less less said on that one the better. <laughs> um, but that's yeah, beautiful. I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's the root of Nas is is the wholeness of it. And as I say, I don't want it to come across like, oh, me and Mike both knew that we were bossing it. Like we yeah, were yeah. we were two people who really had their shit together. No, mm. there's days where I'm an absolute mess. Yeah. Like days when Mike does not have his shit together. Mm. But on the whole Neither of us are looking within the other person to complete or to yeah. fix that. Yeah. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. And I don't want it to come across like I'm saying anybody who does have something that needs fixing hmm. is a is a mess because that's not true. We all need something that fix it. That at the beginning of 2016, I yeah. had so much that needed <laughs> yeah, fixing. Exactly. Yeah. And God, if I'd have met Mike then, it just wouldn't have worked. In the same way, I'd have literally yeah. seen him and been like. I'd have put him on the pedestal if I met. Yeah. God, I've never thought about it like that. But if I'd have met Mike, in, in, you would have done this. You would have I put would have, him. I he would have, have had that. to have fixed you. Oh yeah. my god! If I'd have met him in in beginning of twenty sixteen, God, it devastates me that thought because I know it mm. wouldn't have worked out. The I, darkest I, timeline. I would have been a real chore for him, and mm. that's not fair. Yeah. And I would have been looking to him for all of the answers. I'd want him to fix me to fill these holes that I was left with after that last relationship. And it's not his responsibility to do that. It was it was something that I needed to do myself and was going to take time, which it did. Mm. And I'm so glad I took that time. That's not to say that this relationship might not have problems or, or Yeah, or, yeah. Well, no, or we, don't have to put, we don't have to put it on the pedestal right now. No, yeah, it's just, but it's I just know a thing that, that works and you're happy. But I know and I'm a little bit more secure in this one mm. and, I'm, and I'm not putting him on a pedestal and I'm and I'm not on a pedestal. But if I met him in, in twenty sixteen it would we wouldn't have worked because I I feel the same way about comedy. Like I if I'd started needed... doing comedy when I was twenty three I would have been awful. Yeah. I would have yeah. been a bad comedian. Yeah, well comedy's a relationship, isn't it? Mm. You, you you both need to be at that point where you're like Honest and yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, trying 100%. to be something else or someone else. 100%. I love that idea of multiple timelines of like if you met him in yeah. 2016 yeah. because it's like you know when they say when when something doesn't work out with someone and somebody says you know in another life yeah. you guys were okay yeah you're living that life yeah if anything you're yeah, so maybe that's you true could say, say that. that I've never I thought think it's, it's actually, a really wanky like but it's breakup quite, line but he's like but there's a in another life would be fine but, but there's, maybe it's there's true. a harrowing echo of that that we've just discovered which yeah. is that in another life <laughs> you were a terrible relationship yeah <laughs> in another yeah. life it's like, it ends in heartbreak heartbreak yeah. people like to think that when they find the person they're meant to be with. That it's like it's fate. It was always gonna be yeah. this way. And I always think of it like like uh, time travel. Yeah. Like if, if you if you if you if you went back into time to 2016. Yeah. That guy technically might technically is 
your fate. Yeah. He is the one. He's still Mike, but and I was still Maisie in twenty sixteen, but God if he'd have met me, I wouldn't I wouldn't mm. have been this Maisie. No. I wouldn't have been the re- Maisie. I'd have been that that one with that's looking for mm. a, another half to, to, yeah. to fill a void. And I know that I am the fullest version I've ever been. That's now. A, that's great. And I and I feel so proud to be loved for that. Mm. And I think when I was I think I, in hindsight, Steve, I probably even knew. But when I back in that in that last relationship, when somebody was saying "I love you," mm. you I knew that I wasn't yet my whole self. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just to do with growing up, or you know, I wasn't that young. I was twenty one or so, twenty twenty one. I now know that it was something missing, but at the time, I just knew that there was something more to come. Yeah, I knew I wasn't my full. Almost like a puberty version. You know yeah. that you're not yet, you know you're in the middle of something and you're not yet out the other side. And I'm not saying I'm the finished product now. When no, I'm you're 30, quite young. You're when I'm you're, 30, I'll be looking yeah. back at this and going, there's stuff since that's been added, but I don't think that that's stuff that I'm seeking to be added. Yeah, yeah. Whereas five years ago, I think I probably was seeking yeah. something to be filled. Yeah. I mm, had a gap, mm. but I was too busy filling out in, in, in this person's gap. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and I don't know what Mike would have been like back no. then. I didn't, you know, I didn't know him. He might have been in a similar way to me. Just or... a, a, a guy with a dream, just a, know, not just quite a... getting it together. Yeah, I, I think that's funny. I, I, I think you, you know when you think about you say, you say in your future you might you know yeah. uh, you don't know what's get you're, you're you're still relatively young whatever. But I think that the best way we should be in relationships is we should be have someone and it's okay if we lose them. Like it, like like the, the I've mm. heard I've heard like this another word that I'll probably do an episode about. Um, it's a it's a Lebanese word. I talk about it on stage sometimes. Uh, I can't do the word, but it's um you bury me, right? And it's all about um how you love someone so much that you want uh to die first, right? Yeah. Or or you know what I mean? It's all yeah, or, or, yeah. Or no, yeah. It's a, you, you struggle you... to see what life would be without that person. exactly, which is a lovely thing. But I think you can only get to that stage. You can find the one, yeah. But the only re- way you can find it is by being in a position where you don't need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. That's that's. I've never thought about that. And it's 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 true when you see people. My grand bless her. She lost my grandpa in February, and they've been married sixty two years. Hmm. And I thought, oh God. You know, she's going to be absolutely devastated. And my grandpa was a, uh, he was a, a knight. He was a, 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 a policeman. A knight? He was knighted. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a knight? Yeah. He was a, re- he was the top policeman. And so he had a, in the UK, so he had a, 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 a an incredible career, Steve, in terms of what he Your achieved. Your granddad was the top policeman in the UK? Yeah. It was called uh, Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Constabulary. It's the only. Oh my god! It's the only police ranking that is appointed by the Queen. Name him, Sir Lawrence Byford. So Sir Lawrence Byford. I know. Top cop. I know. Oh my Doesn't god! Doesn't sound like a knight. Like it sounds oh. like a knight of the Round Table. So I want to watch a Netflix he, show about this guy. Christ. So so he was that. That's the reaction he got everywhere. And my granny lived her whole life totally fine by her standards. She was fine with it, but sort of, <laughs> she was always Laurie's wife. Oh, Do you know no, she wasn't yeah. so so she's lived her and she, she would stay at home she raised my mum and her brothers and she was very much the homemaker my grandpa was the breadwinner so when he mm. when he died it was like in the news that you know Sir Lawrence yeah, Byford died yeah. and I was like but what about granny she's yeah. lost this she's lost this person who was like the big thing and I thought god she's going to feel like such a big chunk of her's gone yeah 
And do you know what? She's what? she's she's not. She's like we had the best time together, but I've still got my life. Yeah. And he wouldn't want me to be sat around going, mm. "Oh God, what do I do now?" Laurie's gone. She's like, I spent my whole life on his arm, being you know, mm. Sir Lawrence plus one, yeah. Sir Lawrence and guest. And now <laughs> it's like, gigs. and now it's like, I get to be just Muriel. I get mm. to be, oh, let's go to Muriel's. Not let's go to Laurie's, and maybe his wife's in. Right. She's like it's it's and it, did and she I suddenly think, like get a bunch of new hobbies and stuff and friends and like yeah not 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 particularly she's she still does what they used to do she still mm. does her shop at Morrison's on a Monday and she, <laughs> she hasn't got new friends she hasn't thrown herself into like she didn't wilt. flower arranging she didn't wilt, or anything essentially is what but you're she's just carried on yeah. and not been like I. Th- I think because she lived so long as Sir Lawrence's wife I had a bit of a a, a a concern that she was then going to live as Sir Lawrence's widow. Ugh. And in fact, she was Sir Lawrence's wife and now she's Muriel, mm. Muriel Byford. Mm. And it maybe might come up in conversation that she was married to Sir Lawrence Byford, but she would yeah. be in charge of when that came up in conversation. <laughs> Screaming fangirls so it's, chasing it's really, Sir Lawrence Byford it's down really the street. It's really lovely to watch that, to see somebody... To see somebody who was so in love and had this amazing relationship, 62 years, it's mm. incredible, but she's fine that yeah. he's not here. She misses him terribly. I feel so way about my granddad. But I don't he, think yeah. she's, my granddad she's lost, not able to carry on. My granddad lost his wife about 20 years ago now almost, um, yeah. and he's almost 100. Yeah. And we always asked him, like, do you ever feel like, because he was quite, you, you know, you, we were like, do you ever feel like about going, finding more companionship? Yeah. And he was like, no, that's yeah. done. That Do you mean? Like, it's so romantic. Of, he just kept living his life in the same yeah. house, same, everything yeah, yeah. was just the same. He was, he was just fine. I he was hold just that like, whole, um, oh, I'd die for you. I couldn't live without you. Yeah, that's I hold that in the same regard as what I was saying about you complete me. You're mm. my world. Mm. It's too much on somebody else. If Mike got hit by a bus tomorrow, I hope you don't listen to this. If Mike got <laughs> hit by a bus tomorrow and died. Always, always, always look both way. ways, Mike. Yeah, I know. Yeah, look left, look right, look left again. I, <laughs> I would be absolutely devastated. Yeah. Absolutely devastated. And would I be on Tinder the next day? Absolutely not. I mean, it's a great I'd opening be, line, to be no. fair. But I'd be absolutely <laughs> devastated. But I certainly, I look at Mike and I know. I love him with all my heart, but I don't look at him and think I'd die without you. Yeah. And I think th- I think that comes from being that sense of whole. Yeah. I'm a whole person and you're a whole person and together we're, we're brilliant. Yeah. But if for whatever reason that the universe takes, you were to go tomorrow, yeah. I'm still this whole person. Yeah. And I've lost something terrible. I've lost I've lost something Well he made you if anything he made you, know, you feel even I've more. Lo- I've lost wh- that alive. brilliant yeah, counterpart. Yeah. That's what it is. Not another half, a counterpart. Oh good word. I've lost that, but I still remained there. Yeah. You know. And I think that's the same thing with my granny, is that you you appreciate the brilliance of that person and you feel so proud mm. to have spent that time with them, but you're not your life isn't through them. I don't live my life through my, and he doesn't live his through mine. You know, no. his, his life doesn't only have purpose because I'm in it. Yeah. And mine doesn't only have purpose because he's, we're just, he's a great addition. Have you ever seen that interview with Cher? Where she, no. So, um, sorry, this is the second time Cher's been mentioned in this podcast now. But, um, <laughs> there's a great interview with Cher 
where the interviewer says it's something like the se- it's in the seventies or eighties, mm. and quite obviously a very sexist time. And the interviewer, who is male, <laughs> says to her, "Why do you hate men?" <laughs> and she says, "She says deadpan. You know how she she's brilliant. She says, I don't hate men. I love men. I think men are fantastic. I love them, but they're like dessert in that." You don't need it to complete the meal, but it's a lovely, um, you know, compliment. And I, I want to stress there that I, I'm not talking because if a man yeah. said that, like about we- oh, women are like dessert. Do you know what's great about women? Is yeah, it's like Sundays. But you know it's, what I'm saying? it's not yeah. to do with men and women. It's people. It's it's that they compliment you. They don't complete you. Yeah. And I think that was it with my granny and grandpa. They complimented each other. They didn't complete her. She's not incomplete Mm. now that my Mm. grandpa's gone. And if Mike was hit by a bus tomorrow, I'd be absolutely devastated, but I wouldn't be incomplete. Right. I'd have lost something that was... I'd I'd have lost the dessert, but I'd still be my main cause. And it's it's horrible to sort of talk about it like that, but... (laughs) I'm not not, not having relationships right now because I'm trying to watch my figure. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm already... Just on a water diet. Just trying to watch my figure. Um... But I think I have a spoon. I have one back... spoon. I have one spoon. Yeah, it goes back to that. <laughs> Can I share some of yours? Whole... Can I share some of yours? <laughs> that whole thing of like, if somebody says you're my world or you're my other half, that's such a responsibility. Mm. And if somebody said, "God, I'd die without you," I'd be like, "Oh, Jesus Christ! Not only have I died, I'm now responsible for someone else's death." <laughs> do you know what I mean? The last thing I want to do if I you're just if take I your get names hit, all over the shop. I get hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah. make it to the pearly gates, and they go, "Oh yeah, Mike was so beside himself." Like, yeah. so obviously, because you died, he's now died, because he can't yeah, exactly, without you. Exactly. I'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? Mike, <laughs> get back out there. You've got a bar to run, you know. <laughs> and then a week later... You've got your dreams and to then, go and do. And then a week stupid. later, the bus driver took his own life, cause yeah, he's, he's, because he's, Mike he's died, responsible it's, for so many people's deaths. It's, uh, yeah, that's an interesting... And I imagine when hmm. you do... Have you discussed that one already, that, that word Which that one? means to bury? No, I don't, bury uh, not me. yet. Because I imagine you'll, you'll come up with a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. I don't know if I got it right. I might have missed it. I think it's... I'll never have to live without you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that, I, I, I only want that. life if it's with you. Yes. Yeah. And I think when you have that episode, who, whoever you're talking to about it, you'll probably come up with, a, I suspect, a lot of the stuff we've talked about today because it's to do with, hmm. it's to do with that two-way street again. Is right. your life, is your life something that only works with that person in it? Hmm. Or is your life already a complete and whole thing that that hmm. person is complimenting? I love it because it flies, it flies in the face of all ro- classical romanticism, doesn't it? Yeah. All the language that we yeah. use. That Romeo and Juliet, the moment she finds out he's dead, he, yeah. the moment she thinks he's dead, she can't live anymore. Yeah. And I used to, I remember like reading that in English and all, every, all the girls like crying and we watched that Baz Luhrmann version yeah. and I was like, oh my God, I'm not surprised she killed herself. I'm like, are you joking? <laughs> what? Like, yes, it's really sad, but you you have your own life and that's such a gift. Like, hold <laughs> on to that because, God, the other person would want you to. Yeah. And quite frankly, if the other person is the kind of person where they're like, if I die, I hope you also want to die. Yeah. Then yeah. that person's a dick and you yeah. need to get out. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. exactly. Well, it's like, it's like uh, the Twilight films, isn't it? Or the books yeah. where it's like, it's like uh, the second, is it the second film or something like that where he's like, it's because I love you so much that I'm going to abandon you. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going to walk off. He's just going to like, everything that happens in that is just the worst kind of romanticism. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then he it's does come back and it's like, now you're doing you to this die. actually because there's oh, so many awful like misconceptions through Hollywood and, and mm. books and not just Hollywood like 
Shakespeare. I mean, that's been going hun- hundreds of years, yeah. and we're still hung up on this perception <laughs> of love. He invented some of the words, I yeah. think. Yeah, oh, God, yes, loads of them. Loads of them. But we have these set rules for what love is, and it's not It's not those. Yeah. It's not this... I think especially now that the equality of the sexes is, is really coming into its own yeah. as well, men don't complete women anymore. No. Men, you don't... I mean, women used to literally live in order to be found a husband. Yes, yes. You know. Is your dowry in order? Oh, <laughs> Let me tell you, Mike would be absolutely I love a good dowry. shit creek if he after my dow- dowry. <laughs> you know, I, you think you're, I, I'm glad you said that because I feel exactly the same. Because um, what I noticed about all the words is that some, a lot of the, in a lot of these cases in this podcast, it's about the misappropriation of the word yeah. love. Yeah. So it's like... It, it's that you're right. There's so many words that that we use. Like we've done white knight syndrome yeah. on this, yeah. which is where you, you 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 only feel good if you're saving somebody else. Uh-huh. Uh, we're gonna hopefully do like nightingale syndrome, where mm. you want to be you looking go, after you you uh, you you fall in love with your patient or Stockholm. We'll do Stockholm syndrome yeah, if we find someone. Beast. If we or you know, I want to do one about love hate. Like if you actually love somebody who you legitimately hate, yeah. Because there are people like that. I love that kind of stuff. Just getting into the gritty there's really, humanity. There's really it. rubbish types of love. Love is not this one thing that's always beautiful and always perfect. There's really shitty versions of love, and there's really uh, toxic versions of love. Hmm. But there's also really good, healthy ones and hmm. really lovely ones. Ones that make you a better person. Ones that. Ones that make you realise how much you love yourself. Like, it's just so many different types. And mm. it goes back to what we were saying, Steve, about this bloody English language. We love an umbrella term. <laughs> we call love. And actually, love means about 50 different things. Well, that was going to be my last question before we go on to the game at the end. Oh, yeah. Which is, why do you think there's no English translation of this word? Is it an Englishness? That, to, to, is it an English trait of being English that we don't want to like ourselves? Yes, perhaps, yeah. Or claim that we take selfish pride from, from the love of somebody yeah, else? Yeah, again, even the word pride, it's got an arrogance to it. To mm. be proud is mm. like like what we were saying about selfish. It's It cometh before the fall. The nearest thing we've got to Nas is the word pride, or mm. to be proud. Mm. And actually, to be proud, it's a great thing. It means yeah. that you've 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 acknowledge something within yourself that you're proud of you're proud of achievements pride is a celebration of yourself yeah of being your true authentic self it's also about work as well because the only time i don't like the word pride is when it it comes like what i was saying earlier about accidents of birth yeah so like you know white pride or national pride there's a lot of prides i think i think gay pride gets a pass because that's a reclamation that's 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 them that's them that's them addressing it's another word again that has too many too many strands it can mean something devastatingly awful Mm. And, you know, and toxic national pride. But you did the work to feel proud by becoming a comedian, by doing that work for yourself. You can trust that pride. Yes. Because you made it. Yeah. You did it. It's not something you were... It wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah. I think in the comedy circuit, like, I feel very much that, like, uh, your story is, like, you know, it's a real success story. And I think it's very down to the fact, I love that you are, you know, you started somewhere else. Mm. You didn't just show up in the London circuit, you know, and yeah. just kind of, you know, from Mike to Mike, you literally kind of made yourself and then ev- and then everyone realized you were great. And then you kind of hit, you know, you kind of like, yeah. you know, you've really, I think that you really should be, you know, you, you should be proud of. Yeah, thank you. And, and And sometimes you kind of, 
you, you feel yourself start to say, I'm proud of that. Hmm. And you stop, stop yourself because yourself you're <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm going to sound like such a self-entitled. No, if you're hmm. proud of something, you've worked for it. Yeah. Be proud of it. You know, people paint um, um, people paint a beautiful picture and they ask the artist, are you proud of that? That person doesn't be like, oh, no, it's nothing. Well, I just sort mm. of, oh, the paint fell that way. I am just a vessel yeah. through which the you art know, people are going, oh, oh, no, it's not, I didn't do that. It, it's the people who put the paintbrush in my hand and told me to, uh, no, it's yeah, no yeah. you painted that. You envisioned it and you put the pen to paper and you, you mm. did it. Pride, I, I wish people celebrated that word a bit more. And it, mm. and like when I was talking earlier and said that I was selfish, 2017 was my most selfish year. Yeah. And it was a great year for that reason. Yeah. And I'm proud of what I achieved in 2017 because mm. it was the year I really fully got into comedy mm. and, and pushed myself. And therefore, going into 2018, I was that version and... and and met somebody who was proud of me and I was proud of them and mm. proud to be loved by them. Mm. So going back to your question, why is <laughs> Nas not in our language? I think because we, the moment we give a word to something, we want to make it a negative word. We have That's the so word selfish. That's so interesting. We have the word selfish or self-centered and it's a bad thing. We have the word mm. proud and it's a bad thing. Well, I, I, have, I have one word. I have, uh, and I have that's two a very words. British thing in itself, yeah, you know. Two words for self-love that I'm going to do. One of them is narcissism. The other yeah. one is, I think, philousia. That's so true. Which is just self-love, just just being, just esteem, just liking yourself. But self-love, everyone's always like, self-love is so important and it's about loving yourself. And to some degrees, that's the, that's the definition of narcissism. Mm -hmm. So where's the, you know, we're, we're very quick. Self-love is quite a recently coined term. And I think that's because up until recently, you'd have said that word to like my parents' generation. You'd have described Mm -hmm. what you Mm -hmm. meant by that. Uh, word to my parents' de- generation, and they'd go, well, you're, not, you're narcissistic, yeah, yeah, you're self-centred. Yeah. Get over yourself, yeah. yeah, it's not all about you. <laughs> um, and actually, I think, yeah, I, I think our, our British language is very quick to come up with a, a mm. critical term for something. I if somebody's yeah. proud, we're criticising them. If they're selfish, we're criticising them. Yeah. Yeah, you should be able to describe someone as selfish and it be a compliment, I'm, like... I'm, you know, I love thinking. Well, we use yeah. the word "independent" now. Yeah, that's strong oh, and empowering. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, bossy. It's, it's basically like all the yeah, sexist bo- phrases yeah. they use to kind of cut people down. Yeah, one guy's enterprising, the other one's bossy. Yeah, I, I used that word "independent" earlier when I was saying what Mike was like, and I was like, he's driven and independent. And actually, what I'm what I'm actually trying to get at there is that he was selfish, mm. but not in a nasty way. He's, he's, <laughs> he's indep- nice selfish. But when I say independent, that makes me feel like, mm, strong. he's a strong independent man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got He's his, the lead he's character his own, in his own story. Yeah. He's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we need a more positive term for yeah. selfish and we need a more positive term for pride. And in other languages, that term seems to be Nas. Nas. Lovely. Lovely. Okay. Thanks, Bob. I think we kicked the ass of that. Well, I think so. I thought that was great chat. I really enjoyed talking to you about Mm. that. Um, And thanks so much for coming with so much, like, sharing. And you immediately just, like, you you had so much to say about it. And that's wonderful. I'm really glad we talked about this word because I think it's such a word that people need. Yeah, yeah. When I think of... uh, 
English people in romances. I just think of like writing a letter of like, "Oh, Kitty, I love uh, <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Make me feel so so." Uh, uh, do you think yeah, the Lib Dems yeah. will get in this year? Yeah, like yeah. we don't have that word. We're so yeah. afraid of it. Um, uh, thanks so much for coming in. And also, uh, we end the podcast with this little game. Do do do. Yes. Um, are yes, you ready for this? This yes. is uh, this is this is what we do at the end of the podcast. I ask my guests to tell me something that they don't love that everyone else in the world seems to love that they kind of feel like they're out of step with, or or, or you know, kind of like you're the only, <laughs> only sane person in the world. Yeah. And then uh, the last one is just tell me something that you do love and just like sell it to me, mm-hmm. and then we'll. Uh, call it a day I call it a day okay so the thing that I don't love and this is not to say I hate it I just don't I'm not on board with it and everybody else seems to be on board with it is and this is probably to the wrong audience what with this being a podcast the type of people who are listening to this <laughs> will be really for what I'm about to say I'm quite against we've had some we've had some weird ones we've had some I, doozies so I'm not a big fan of these immediate music platforms so like Apple Music or Spotify okay. These things that you can have where you can just access any music at any point quickly, right wow. there, right now. I love my iPod Classic. Right. And I like it because all of that music on there, I still carry it with me now to every gig. Hmm. And I love it because, first of all, nobody is going to interrupt that iPod. When I've got my iPod, <laughs> I'm not going to get a Twitter notification yeah, yeah, halfway yeah. through. I'm not going to, it's not going to stop playing because I've got a phone call. Yeah. It's, it's, totally dedicated to doing one job and i think with i think it's it's great that we've got this immediacy now at, at our fingertips of, of like oh you want to hear that you've not heard that song let mm. me just get it for you yeah but there's also like this sort of it's a double-edged sword with that when we gain that we also lose this sort of world that music can bring you when it's a whole it's just pure music i was reading an album review the other day just I can't remember where it was, I think maybe NME had tweeted mm, an, al- mm. an album review, and I was click I clicked on it and was reading just to see what the thoughts were, and it was talking about like how it's a concept album and how it had like this journey, you know, and the mm. tracks were specifically mm. and, and and record companies do that for a reason because Pe- you are meant to people just spend an hour you to are meant to, to something you're anymore. meant to listen to an album and it goes through you and be and you, and from each album you can work out whether head is out at that time growing up my favorite band that i absolutely loved were the red hot chili peppers oh and i think with each different album of theirs you can see where their heads are at with blood right. sugar sex magic you can tell they are having the best days of a band <laughs> like it's uh, brilliant yeah. and, and californication you can tell that anthony codis is really sort of mm. het up romantically but he's struggling with this balance of like trying to keep a romantic yeah. Uh, and, and meaningful relationships, but on the other side, he just wants to get high, <laughs> but on yeah. really damaging drug. And the, yeah, the two yeah, are yeah. at loggerheads together. Yeah. And the same way, I remember feeling that way with Amy Winehouse mm. and Back to Black. You listen, yes, Back to Black as itself as a track is great, or Rehab is great. But I feel like now, if you tell somebody who's just started, you know, 40, a 14, 15 year old now, and I'm already aware that I'm starting to sound like one of those old people. No, but like, only we had cassettes. <laughs> to be fair, you, you are being nostalgic for an iPod. I know, Some people are nostalgic know, but, for vinyl. But now you know? when people are like, oh, uh, yeah, I love Amy Winehouse and, and, and they know, you know, a song. I'm like, but if you listened to that whole album, you really understand her headspace at that and how head over heels she was. Yeah. With this, with this one guy. Yeah. And the whole album is is just mm. so raw and honest. 
And I don't think that can be conveyed in just one quick track before yeah. skipping along to yeah. a podcast or before skipping along to... Uh, oh, actually, I've listened to Amy Winehouse now. Now I'm going to listen to a, a remix of yeah. uh, 50 Cent. You know, like, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It, I like that world that, that listening to a an album or or even a playlist every playlist on yeah. there on my iPod I've made yeah. I've made I've I've got a playlist on there that's for when I'm in the bath I've got a playlist <laughs> on there that's for walking music to my gigs because yeah. it's pumped up music nice. that gets me hyped I've got music there that's for when I'm on holiday hmm. I've got a playlist on there that me and Danny made when we were travelling in nice. that summer and it's all of the songs that were big then and we listened to on Apple Music yeah there's playlists and they're made Weird. It's, I find it a little bit Black Mirror as well. They yeah. can tell what your tastes are. And oh, in some ways yeah, it's, it's so very weird, convenient. It? Yeah. But in other ways, it's like being made a mixtape by somebody who doesn't actually know Get you. you. They, yeah. they, they, they're like, they won't okay, realise that you the only reason you listened to that was because you wanted to remember like an ex-boyfriend or an yeah, ex-girlfriend. So they're like, okay, you listened to uh, Bon Iver, here's some Imogen Heap. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, sometimes exactly. yeah, you just yeah, want exactly. the Bon Iver. Or... or yeah. Do you know, you're like, well, well, somebody else is listening to this playlist. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, this playlist, I, although I love every track on it, someone else somewhere right now is on a train listening to this yeah. playlist. That playlist on there is just me. Nobody mm. else has got mm. that playlist. And it's not called anything else. Yeah. No, even if they did I have the same selection of, of songs, it's not called, you know, Chillax Vibes with an X and an A. <laughs> it's stupid. Do you know what I mean? Acoustic I, Coffee Break number yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. I, I love... I love the personable, the 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 personal, the touch. bespoke, yeah, the bespokeness yeah. to it, exactly, and the context, because like what you just said about the 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 like just listening to one track of an yeah. album, yeah. that's like if that like, YouTube with another platform, YouTube does that. Yeah. People now watch the one good scene from a film, yeah, and it's like you've just lost the entire, yeah, the entire we lose context. the whole context, and I think. You know, maybe I do sound dated and old, and and I remember my mum and dad saying this about, oh well, we used to have to go to the record shop and get a vinyl, and then you'd have to swap it with your friend. Maybe that sounds great. Maybe I yeah, <laughs> but but through that you actually got real recommendations because you'd take that vinyl, you'd, you you know, your friend would give you your record back, mm. you go, what do you think? God, it's not quite Spinal Tap, is it? Yeah, and then you know that person's yeah. taste. You're like, yeah. okay, this band's on. They're a bit more spinal touch. Should we go see that? Whereas this is like you send a link to someone hmm. and they're like, yeah, love it. Even if they don't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fire emoji. I just, I'm not sure. I'm, I like music in a context and I think it's totally fine if you do just want to listen to this hit, that hit, this yeah, hit, that yeah, hit. Yeah. I'm not judging that. But me personally, I like music that's of a context and I like music that I can make bespoke to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. So, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I want to hear your mixed. You, I mean, oh, are, are, are they are they are they locked down? No, no, no. I can I can send you some of my my okay. mixtapes. Some like of them that. are absolutely horrendous. Do you? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Because because I have really guilty bad. pleasure. I have guilty pleasure lists. Yeah. I have a load of guilty pleasure lists. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, are you the type of comedian that that dreams of being on vinyl one day? Because that's what I I oh, all no. my favorite all my favorite comedians growing up were the people who had like albums. Yeah. So it's like I have a dream of. Yeah an hour-long Edinburgh show or something. I don't want to just go on Netflix. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to I I have an album that you can buy and take home and it's yeah, a and thing. Yeah, that's, and that, that's it's that tangible element, I think. When I moved to Brighton, my mum gave me her record collection and, and, and I got... A, my brother had a record player that he never used, so <laughs> I took it. Nice. And 
I decided, uh, my mum's record collection is quite big, and I decided every day I'd get, just go through it in alphabetical order and play a different record. And, and just listening to that whilst you're having your breakfast and then having to take the time to turn it over and then let it play out that way, hmm. you've really got a more of an appreciation. And I think even with like an iPod, the fact that you have to pick an album and <laughs> you know go down and find find which even if you even if you are just trying to find that one hit of the album yeah you go through the album and, yeah. and and pick it off that and then naturally when it finishes it'll start playing the rest of the album yeah exactly so i worry that with spotify and apple music on the one hand yeah it's great that you can just get a song up whatever whatever it is however niche it is it's there mm. and i like the fact that it can make playlists that it thinks you're gonna like but i also like that personal touch yeah that you can get with ipods <laughs> yeah okay cool i'm sold uh something you love something i love okay it's still on music uh, okay i like music this wavelength yeah but this is a person okay um and it's a real admirable love and i get really frustrated with the like um snobbery of music mm. so like and this only comes weirdly this only comes from people who are of a particular music type so it's people who are like into very indie music right but then if i say <laughs> and i love indie music like, i go and see indie yeah, gigs yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm i'm i absolutely love it i saw the arctic monkeys for eight pounds <laughs> before a, they were big that's about right so i am i can easily i could easily be one of them wankers that's like i saw them before they were big nice but i'm not when we, and when i, just I were, hate but... this i hate this culture of like when you say do you know what i bloody love little mix or right. i really like that new ariana grande mm. song people roll their eyes what? and are like well it's just generic pop isn't it <laughs> and on some level i want to argue back and say yeah it is but what's so bad about that yeah and then, particularly with this person, Ariana Grande, oh. I think she's really changed what it means to be, quote, generic pop. Right. I think for a long time, when people said generic pop, about those sorts of female artists, it was about people like Britney, mm. who had come from a very pop world yeah. and, and young and innocent and she would sing about boys, despite being 26 by this point, <laughs> would still be singing about going to the movies for the first time with a boy, yeah, you know, yeah, or... Yeah. She's very One Tree Hill It was uh, very, like, a, it was very <laughs> a romanticised version. And then I remember suddenly she sort of had that breakdown, and then when she came back and was singing, like, Toxic and, quite like, Womanizer, and the yeah, video's very yeah, sexual, yeah. everyone was like, what the hell? Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, what's going on here? And it, if you look right through history, it's happened with women. With Madonna, mm. she, when she first blew up, she was singing these like amazing, you know, very likable, uh, radio-friendly songs. Mm. And then out of nowhere, she started using like Catholic imagery, bondage imagery. Yeah, was singing like a prayer. Yeah, um, but it was about like it had weird, like yeah, uh, it had, uh, lecture it complex had very stuff sort of and, like yeah, and... sexual undertones. Yeah. Like a Virgin was almost like a piss take to the people who were trying to make her seem right. like a virgin. Yeah. And I think Ariana Grande is a real sort of... I like the fact that she has... I I, I always see on, on her socials people being like, you, you need to be a role model to the young <laughs> girls you're inspiring and all Christ. of this. No think, one can do that. Well, no also, one can do that. those young girls are not listening to her songs... And taking away explicit sexual messages. Those yeah. girls, uh, the girls that are not, uh, you know, 10, 11 that love her, they love her because she wears 
really cool outfits and they love her because the dance choreography is next level mm. and they love her because she's funny and she makes little viral videos because she likes herself the people my age that love Ariana Grande like I hate to break it to you but they're probably aware of sex by that point <laughs> like they probably know it. when she sings about her, she had this song come out called Side to Side <laughs> and it was about like how you walk after you've had sex with somebody who's very well endowed. <laughs> Let me tell you, every girl has had that joke in a. In, every right. girl has said that when they've gone for drinks yeah. and talked about how you were left walking like John Wayne. Nice. Like it's a, it's, it's a regular. The same way <laughs> most boys have probably had a conversation about. Uh, like with that, and not in a not in a derogatory well, I mean, way, like, or not in an objectifying way, but it's Mike, stuff that you, we talk about. You and Mike about. had that joke about your seizure. We talk about it, whether it's with each other or with our girls or with our boys. We talk about sex, and I think it needs to stop being so like bloody taboo. And yeah, I think yeah. Ariana Grande is great for not rejecting her younger audience, but going. Do you know what? I've got younger audiences, but I'm still going to sing. I'm 24. I'm sexually active. I'm not going to sing bubblegum mm. pop. I'm going to yeah. sing actual real what I'm going through so when she was 18 it was a lot more like oh I hope I meet the boy of my dreams (laughs) the opposite to which to to give it some context if you take someone like Taylor Swift who has constantly sung about romanticised relationships Mm. and there's some it it got to a point where it's like this is all very well Taylor but do you really do you practice what you preach here Mm. and maybe she does maybe it's to do with like different perspectives on love and relationships but sometimes I think there's an honesty with what Ariana Grande sings about and to be that vulnerable and open and even though it shouldn't be vulnerable hmm. I think is great also kids today they need some shit they talked some about shit talked pretty like, like I don't care if she has explicit messages exactly. in the song kids these days need, need talking to I about think, this stuff I think the fact that she weaves a feminist narrative into a lot of her work is also super important because it's bringing these young girls up to also know it's not a shameful thing to talk about sex totally and when i was growing up you'd hear eminem talking about how he shagged britney spears and Mm. boasting about it you'd hear god loads of indie indie artists whether it's indie whether it's rap whether it's hip-hop r&b men were saying that they were having sex yeah and very few women were yeah so that the moment you got like a little bit of sexual attention from somebody that you that, and you wanted it hmm. as a girl it was quite sort of like to grow you'd be like oh hang on is this whereas I, th- I feel like men have always grown up being like no it, you go to the club and like that, that's yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. whereas girls are kind of like oh shit I feel like a you know, is well, it wrong for me to have? That, that's to have, also teaching to have boys that. the wrong thing as well. Exactly. It's basically telling girls that they that, that it's almost like you're telling girls that, that sex getting, doesn't yeah. exist, and you're telling guys that it's an you go to a club and girls will sleep with you. Yeah, yeah, randomly. you're so right. Yeah. And I think it's really great that Ariana Grande sings about these aspects of life, but also empowers women. Hmm. I feel very empowered when I listen to her. In nice. the way in in the way that I would feel empowered when I'd listen to Whitney Houston. Nice. You know, um if anything more, because sometimes Whitney's would be very much, you know, about her relationship and how dependent she was. Mm. And I find Ariana Grande a, a really good example for the young girls of today, especially I, I mean I I have to mention it with <laughs> how she dealt with Manchester. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, she's my age. I don't know yeah. how yeah. you deal with something like that. And to 
I, I think this all came when you sent through, oh, you need to pick something that you, you love. Mm. I was on Twitter and I saw somebody I know actually tweet that Ariana Grande was like all of the girl, all of the horrible bitchy girls you went to school with rolled into one. <laughs> and I remember reading it and it, I was shocked you, at you how... You know, the victims of terror attacks. I was shocked at how defensive I got of her because I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you know, did you I did, fall down I, the Twitter rabbit I did, hole? Did I you didn't, respond? I, no, I didn't respond, but I was... I was so shocked at how my head was just so like, what the hell? How can this person think that? Really? This girl has a, a, a horribly traumatic thing happen to her. She yeah. puts a benefit concert in within one week. Hmm. Her boyfriend, uh, she breaks up with her boyfriend and he's dead within a month. Whoa. You know, that's through suicide. And that's so yeah. much like on yeah. you personally. Then your next relationship breaks down. This whole time you're trying to do a career hmm. that is something that you love. But you're doing it, and you feel this pressure. People are telling you that you've got a duty to be to be a yeah. role model for something. I think the way she copes with it is extremely admirable. Mm. I think she makes good music, good feel good music <laughs> that isn't just filtered pop. Yeah. It's like no, but even if it was, I don't mind that because no. some of the jokes I've heard about Ariana Grande since that incident, you get a lot of those edge lord jokes, don't yeah. you? Those, on the open yeah. mic side, all you hear is just like the old the, the joke where you know the ending is. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, I was so sad to hear about what happened in Manchester because yeah. Ariana Grande didn't die. Punch, you know, punchline, boom, shit. and you're like, it's, it's so, so obvious to blow it. But I, I want to do this joke. It doesn't really work on stage, but I've always wanted to do a joke about anyone who uses like Coldplay or Nickelback in a joke. Yeah, because I think it's kind of like it's so easy. Yeah. you can see it coming, and I. I always wanted to say whenever someone does a Coldplay uh-huh. joke I always want to say how old are you son 31 yeah. you didn't have parachutes go fuck yourself yeah. do you know what I mean I get to the point where it's like I think almost that's a snooker now if, you, if, you, if you're doing those jokes you're making yourself look like a tit because it's like you're the person that makes Coldplay and Nickelback jokes and that's almost <laughs> worse than being exactly. that, that is worse than mm. being the person that's into Coldplay or Nickelback yes like you're so, the Coldplay of comedians. Yeah, if that's, and that's what your that's, joke is. That's yeah. what I feel like when people get on their high horse of like, oh please, you like Little Mi- oh please, you like Ariana Grande, oh she's just like generated kid pop. No, she's not. What's generated kid pop about singing side to side? Like, <laughs> it has the lyric dick bicycle in it. Like, <laughs> what's generated kid pop about that? Yeah, so I'm very much here for Ariana Grande. Yes. And you I think, should be too. I think. I think we. Dick bicycle is the perfect. Dick sign bicycle off. for the win. Fantastic! <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and talking, Maisie Adam. Um, yes, everyone. Uh, I think you've learned a lot of great life lessons today. Go out and uh, and love yourself and be selfish and learn to be proud. Be selfish and proud. Um, uh, dick bicycle, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> be a selfish and proud dick bicycle. <laughs> Thank there you so go. much. Thank you so much to Maisie Adams. Say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love you.